All right, UFC 297, Jasmine versus Priscilla. I mean, Jasmine just dominated her. You know, Priscilla in the first round came rushing in. Jasmine got the takedown, and it was just all downhill. Just ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. Until it went to the third round when Priscilla, after a second attempt, I mean, until Jasmine, after a second attempt, got the got the darts choke and finished it off while in mount and that's all she wrote man i mean personally i thought the fight should have been stopped before the darts choke but who but man but either way it, the, even if it wasn't stopped the fight was over Pr priscilla was done jasmine just i mean mark the hammer coleman would be proud of that display of ground and pound i'm just saying so Landis versus Patterson, I mean, Patterson, you know, was, started out pretty, pretty even, Landis started kind of putting the pressure, he caught Patterson with an overhand, started putting on the momentum, he dropped down, and then, you know, Patterson grabbed the head, snapped him down, took the back, choked him out, and that's all she wrote, I mean, Pretty impressive performance by Patterson. I mean, yeah, pretty impressive. Pat, impressive, you know, impressive performance by Patterson. I mean, there was a lot of questions going in. There was a lot of questions going in on his part because he said that his height was giving him problems in the striking department, and it didn't seem like that. And it didn't seem, and it seemed like. You know, and it didn't seem like that was the case in this fight when you started seeing Landis catch him over the top with the same with the same strike, with the same overhand that he had problems with at 155. But, you know, Landis got the win, so I guess you can say he was right. <laughs> Robertson versus Vienna, I mean... I mean, Jillian Robertson just dominated her. Got her to the ground, almost had her in a head and arm choke, almost got her in an arm bar. Then second round starts out, took her down again, got the mount, and just finished her off with ground and pound. It was a like dominant performance. I mean, flawless performance by Jillian Roberts. And I, well, lesson learned: don't pick the hot one whenever you watch a women's fight. Damn. Tavares versus City. I mean, this was a pretty good fight. Very back and forth. I mean, Tavares, of course, he had the damage. Sydney had the volume. Personally, I thought Sydney won the fight just because he dominated that third round a lot more. Um, Tavares wasn't really doing much. Um, but the rules are clear. You know, damage trumps everything. So based off the fact that he did more damage it was clear that you know Tavares it was clear that Tavares got the win but I don't know I thought you know Sydney won the fight I think that third round should have been taken into consideration but I guess it was but I guess you know but I guess uh that wasn't the case you know because once again the rules are the rules damage trumps everything so but that was a hell of a fight man very back and forth you know, very back and forth, very competitive. Um, definitely, I could see those guys fighting for a third time.
Jordan versus Woodson. I. Oh, okay. Oof. I thought at first it sounded like Jordan won, but it was just a misinterpretation. It was actually Bruce Buffer mispronounced the name. It's actually Woodson and Jordan prematurely rolls his hands. But yeah, um, Woodson just put on a very impressive performance. Used his length, controlled the distance, no wind up. Everything was just nice and flowy. Picked his shots well. The problem with Jordan, the reason why he had no success and he had no success, is because he was head hunting. You know, the pro the thing is, when you're fighting a tall guy, you never want to head hunt. If you're gonna throw shots to the head, you use it to set up the body shots or the leg attacks. Don't, you know, the same way you would if you fake low and come high, the opposite is applied with fighting somebody who's tall. You fake high and go low. And then as time goes on, the headshots will become more clear. Jordan, of course, didn't do that. He kept headhunting and headhunting, and Woodson just kept picking him apart over and over and over again. So, yeah, good performance by Woodson, man. That was That was really impressive. Armfield versus Katona. I thought Katona won based off of the fact that he he you know he had you know he got the takedowns. He had Armfield pressed up against the fence. Armfield couldn't really keep the pace, but I'm guessing the judges saw the saw Armfield landing the cleaner, more effective shots, which he was. He was landing the cleaner, more accurate shots. You know, but I thought the deciding factor was the fact that Katona got the takedowns and had him pressed up against the fence, both in round two and round three. So, um, yeah, uh, I thought, I thought, I thought Katona had it in the bag after that, but I guess, um, but I guess, uh, Armfield landing the cleaner, more accurate shots trumped Katona's body of work which I mean it was honestly a close fight it, it was it was actually a very close competitive fight so it wasn't like it wasn't like a one-sided affair I think it's just I think you know maybe it was just because I think I think I think also what I think maybe because Katona got the takedowns but he didn't do much with it it kind of the judges didn't really count it as high as Armfield with his more accurate cleaner shots you know but then again katona had impressive against the fence and was landing knees and elbows and punches so but uh yeah that's a fight i would have to rewatch again with the sound off Keeps coming. Oh! Break it, 
Tonight, as the UFC makes its return to the Great North, to one of MMA's great epicenters, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where some of the biggest fights in UFC history have taken place, the blood feud gets settled once and for all. I'm going to walk through Dragon. First, the women's bantamweight title is on the line, and a new champion will be crowned as one of the pioneers of women's MMA is charging in on a five-fight win Wow. A warrior who has landed more stripes than any other in bantamweight history, who's ready to seize the throne. Yet, this Brazilian contender isn't just on the hunt for her first title, but to become the new face of the division, with three straight finishes and a vicious streak that won't quit. She is one of the deadliest submission aces going, and she's one win away from tapping into championship gold. And there is the tab, Myra Bueno Silva. It's time to put up or shut up, as the superhuman powerhouse with the highest strike rate in UFC history is ready to take the middleweight championship back to South Africa if he can overcome the relentless pressure, pace, and menace of the champion whose reign has only just begun. Live from the sold-out Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, it's UFC 297, Strickland versus Duplessis, and it starts right now. This little encounter has only served to 
for this matchup. Technically speaking, though, DC, Strickland's last performance was unbelievable. What makes him so tough to deal with? Well, he's difficult to deal with because he has a game plan. He sticks to that game plan, and he really does pressure you, pressure you very wise and smart. He's a guy that fights behind the show. He never takes his eyes off of his opponent. He's a guy that has approved time and time again, and he was knowledgeable enough to when he lost to Alex Pereira. He went wrong to Alex. He got better with Alex, and it is showing in performances. This guy is the rightful middleweight champion in the world, and if he can put on a fraction of the performance that he had against Israel Adesanya, he will retain tonight. Sean Strickland. It's one of those fights where, on paper, this is the this is a beast. This is the perfect style of match for Greg. All he has to do is just rely on that size and strength because all, all he needs to do is rely on that Sean does get hit. He does get hit, and a lot of times it'll be it'll get he'll get hit by so a lot of times he'll get hit with that overhead. Whenever somebody comes low and goes high, he'll get caught over the top with the overhead. All he has to do is just get him to the ground. All he Cardio is like, Sean's cardio is literally out of the question. Like, there's just no way. Because that's happens with every fighter that he fights. They either get, they either get beat up from his, from his power shots, or they get taken down once, and then they're exhausted, which allows Dreykus to stay in the fight. Returns on January 26th. Experience it on PlayStation 5. Marvel has ever made. What did you do? 
Marvel Studios Echo. All episodes now streaming. All right, we have got a seriously high-level matchup in store for you to kick off the main card in Toronto. Let us get to the featherweights. Arnold Allen trains out of the famed TriStar Gym in Canada, and a talented Brit is likely to be the crowd favorite when he steps into the octagon to meet the imposing and undefeated Bob Yaboya. As exciting as it has ever been, the featherweight division is home to a dominant champion in Alexander Volkanovsky and a group of hard-charging contenders. That includes the men battling it out on tonight's pay-per-view main call, Arnold Allen and Mavsar Iaboya, who hope to propel themselves into the title conversation with a statement win in Toronto. Arnold Allen never fought a guy with uh, my pressure and my wrestling before. I think one, one of the things I bring different to, like, the rest of the guys in the division, like I'm good everywhere, you know, I'm more malleable, more adaptable to, to the style of fight I'm fighting, you know. A steady performer who has won 10 of his 11 UFC bouts today. Arnold Allen has been in there with the likes of Sadiq Yusuf, Dan Hooker, Calvin Cater, and Max Holloway. And one thing is certain, we're talking about the best 145-pound fighters in the world. England's Allen merits inclusion in that discussion. Greatness is definitely the goal, you know, that's... Uh, money and all those things are nice, but the goal is to be great and win and be a world champion. And uh, I think a dominant win here puts my name in that hat. Making it through 17 pro MMA fights without a loss is a tough feat to realize. Earning seven of those wins in the UFC further raises the degree of difficulty. But that's precisely what Russia's Mavsar Yavoyev has done. And after defeating the credentialed Dan Ige and Diego Lopez in his last two bouts, he is ready for his close-up with Almighty. I'm confident that I'm, I'll be next champion in my, in my division because I'm the most complete fighter in my division. Simply put, Mavsar Ivloyev believes he's on a different level when compared to the rest of the featherweight division. And tonight, the American Top Team product hopes to prove that. In our meetings this week, he told us he wants to show off a little bit and really display all of the skills that he possesses, especially since he takes a bit of an issue with being titled only a wrestler. He told us he has a lot of personal pride in the growth that he has put in throughout the camp, specifically in his jujitsu and his grounded pounding. Guys, when we mention growth, there's also been a lot of growth in his English skills as well, due in large part to a show that debuted 16 years ago on this very day, Breaking Bad. He watched the show in English in order to get some practice in. And, John, it feels like maybe a colorful vocabulary will come from it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. He always denigrates his own ability in English. I think it's pretty strong, especially for the native of Ingushetia, Russia. We've seen a lot of Russian fighters not even make an attempt to learn English. So credit to Mavsar Yavoyev, the number nine-ranked contender. What a tremendous fighter, Daniel. When you talk about guys who have the potential skill set to take out someone like Alexander Volkanovsky, a lot of people lead that conversation with the Yavoyev. Got to get through Arnold Allen, of course, tonight, but a tremendous fight. Absolutely. In a fight that he's asked for a number of times, he told us in very clear English, I've asked for this fight ten times. I finally got it. But he's not asking to fight Arnold Allen for any disrespectful reason. He just respects him. He feels like he and Arnold are two most explosive guys in his division. He said he spent a lot of time in the ground and pound. He also said that he just wants to prove that he's ready to become a champion. He said... Being undefeated is cool, but it's not that important to him. He said he fights for that country or that, that region, as you said, John. I don't know. In Gushetti. Yes. In Gushetti, he said he 
has a bigger fighting purpose than just for himself. He does it for his entire village. Tonight's fighter description brought to you by the all-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra for Manscaped, the official electric trimmer of UFC. Man, I just tell you, we would be lost by your pronunciation, man, and thank you for that. Uh, you know, one of the things about it, Low Evans, is like, look, I'm not in Ramadan this time. Last time I had to be in Ramadan, I'm fasting. For 1,400 years, my culture has fasted for mental, spiritual, and health benefits. I didn't have to do that in this, this camp, so I'm going to show up even more prepared, more well prepared than the last fight. My speed, my forward pressure, and my combination mixed with the wrestling is going to be far too much for all Arnold Allen to deal with. And you mentioned Ramadan, right? Diego Lopez fought Mozart Yavoy at UFC 288 in May of last year. It was the fight of the night, right? But it was also short notice for Yavoyev. It was on the back end of Ramadan, and he's excited to show everybody what he can do with the whole camp here tonight. UFC appearance is the number four ranked featherweight contender, Arnold Allen. Shiny UFC record dot 10 and 1. Coming off his first UFC loss to Max Holloway by five round unanimous decision. That was last April. He got some things done in that fight, but he believes if he can take the avoidance oh tonight, that's going to reopen the conversation for him as top title contender. So he knows that Mobsar is going to be looking to mix in a lot of takedowns. So he says, first and foremost, I need to feed first. Don't be waiting on my back foot. I need to be first. I need to keep the pressure going so I can time the takedowns better. But also, feints and fakes to pull them out. And he has to stop the early takedowns so he can keep the energy and pick them apart. He wants to get that jab established early, keep the feet moving. In his last fight, we're talking about Holloway. He just got a little bit out forward. The stance yeah. switch, the movement, the side to side was a little bit much. He needs to be able to follow Mozart because he also has very good footwork. Head him off and don't get caught following him. He needs to head off Mozart. Well, he also said, Don Fia put on the takedown. He said he did a lot of wrestling in his training camp. He said he did a lot of wrestling with multiple guys, and his purpose was defending takedowns before they started. This guy is so focused on getting the job done because he believes that if he wins tonight against Mobsar, he's right back in contention to be fighting for a championship job. I've been eating popcorn and now it's like stuck in my throat. I can barely talk. I get some right. water. <laughs> well, that gives me a chance to tell you about Betty, the Iranian wrestler, who gave Arnold Allen a whole lot of reps during a training camp that he said, and I quote, was hell. And then we asked him about the Holloway camp, which was largely a striking training camp. Very much a different order of business, but Arnold Allen has had a lot of time to prepare for what could just be the toughest matchup of his UFC career to date. All right, tell the tape brought to you by V-Chain, the official blockchain of UFC. Arnold Allen, the underdog tonight, is 29, as is Mobstar Yevloyev. One inch in height for Arnold Allen, no issues on the scale for these two gentlemen. Two and a half inches in reach for the undefeated Russian, Mobstar Yevloyev. All right, now for the official introductions. Here's Bruce Buffett. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Presented by Skill Trade College. Get the skills to pay the bills. 
297. Glad you are too watching around the world on pay per view. Arnold Allen, underdog tonight, taking on Mobsar Iabloyev. Tonight's fight clock is brought to you by Timex, official timekeeper of UFC, the only watch tough enough for UFC. Allen in red, Iabloyev in black. Allen had to face. Holloway's stance switch. Now, Yev Loyev doesn't switch stance. There is much. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Loyev, man. That is a hard one. Yev Loyev doesn't switch stance, so the lead hand fights can be even more important. Well, I think for for Loyev, he has to try to get the fight in the ground sooner than later because for as good as he is to stand up, he's not better than Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen has such a great jab, he's so fast. And explosive that it feels like you're playing with fire for as long as you're standing with them. Adam looks pretty sharp early. Nice jab by him there. He's finding that range really quickly with that jab. And when Arnold Allen gets that jab going, everything flows really well for him. That's what he couldn't land on Holloway. And the footwork was too much. So he's using his footwork now, and you can see Allen's the one moving more on his feet. Well, Max switches angles on you so much, and he's never going back and forth. He's always moving off, giving you different angles, and then he's so active. It's hard for you to really set the tempo of the fight against Max Holloway. Eighth camp at American Top Team for Mobsar Iavloyev under his head coach, Pahupa Marcos Damata. Nice body shot from Allen there. Well, join over 80 million users on the world's leading crypto app. Download the Crypto.com app now. Nice body shot by Allen right above that belt line. And Allen looks very light on his feet tonight. He's just hot. It's like he's just skipping rope out there the whole time. He knows that he has to. There it is. And he's going to push that head inside. But keep that single is impressive. Great job. Mm -hmm. 
Dana doesn't love when we use first names, but why don't you just go Mobstar for this one, to go okay? Mobstar. All right. I'm going to have to. No credit on the takedown there. Nice job by Allen to stay upright and leverage the fence. That's athleticism, man. It's great takedown defense and awareness, but also being athletic enough to not give your back, not fall. Make sure you keep facing him. You can tell that this guy's done a lot of high-level wrestling work to try to prepare himself for this fight. Shout-out to old friend Mursad Bektich and also Eamon Zahabi, two other primary training partners, partners for Arnold Allen over the last three months. Good jab by Iaboya. Nice to hear the Canadians get behind Allen, who trains in this country. And they need to, John, because while we're in Vancouver, I think Canadians were like 8 no. It has not been as good for them tonight here in Toronto. Some fire back into this crowd before right. the Canadian Sean Strickland walks out here. <laughs> Head kick by Iaboyev, largely blocked by Allen. Yeah, the Canadian women are undefeated tonight. The men have yet to produce a win. Allen's jab is on point tonight. We're seeing, we're seeing Iaboyev get closer and closer, though, with his combinations. He's getting closer to the pocket, and remember, it's very early in the fight. There's still another two rounds for him to make the adjustments. Chase got to his angle immediately. That is some good wrestling, man. I love these types of transitions. He grabbed again. Beautiful. the arms. I mean, Allen's defense is just a flip. He won't do it again. He cannot grab me again. He's got to attack the hands. What a follow, though. I mean, it's not easy to follow them. It's like no. three in a row. A he made it look simple. Yeah, and the Grammy also is like, you go feet outside, go shoulder to shoulder to try to roll to get the guy to follow you. Not like you said, it's hard to stay with the guy when he's doing a Grammy. you got to have some high-level wrestling also if you do what a Floyd's doing. And this position right here, how he's keeping it is so much harder than he makes it look. It's hard to keep guys I mean, in this he position. And he's keeping them there. Allen cannot get away. He's stuck to him like this. Just map return after map return by Boyle. All right, this corner can't brought to you by Prime Hydration, the fastest growing beverage in history with only 25 calories, zero added sugar, BCAAs, and electrolytes now available at Walmart. Let's go back to fast feet. Yeah. Always aware of the takedown, eyes on chest. Keep your lead hand down. You can't take it when your lead hand down. Lead hand down. You need one arm down. Box him with one arm down. Okay. Are you going to be more relaxed? And it's easier for you to underhook. If you get to the underhook, it's going to be really hard for him to take you down. Okay. Arms coming. You need the spit buckets right here.
Alexander the Great Volkanovsky ready to once again show why he is the consensus greatest featherweight of all time. He'll look to continue his historic run by stifling the oncoming force Ilya Tokoria, UFC 298, exclusively on ESPN Plus pay-per-view by now through February 12th. And receive a special offer. Save $10 on the pay-per-view. ESPNplus.com slash UFC 298 for details. DC, you've taught me a lot about Matt returns. How about Max Arievoy of one for nine unofficially on the takedown attempts because Allen repeatedly got back up and he wouldn't give him credit. Yeah, he did a really good job at, at defending takedowns. I, I think he might have got taken down. I had three. Yeah, at least two or three. But here's, here's the, the, the thing. Gloria was used to doing this. Allen isn't. He's learned now later in life to defend takedowns and wrestle these scrambles. Let's see if it starts to fatigue him as the fight goes longer. Right. But it'll be on Gloria to try to get back to the wrestling now, opposed to waiting to later in the round where Allen starts to recover. And Allen did acknowledge to the media this week, you know, last three opponents, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater, Dan Hooker, those guys really aren't going to be trying to take him down. So a decidedly different preparation for Arnold Allen in advance of this stylistic challenge. Well, Allen is slinging him tonight, though. He's trying to take his head off. Probably a smart approach, right? Yes. To not play the long game with the Aboyev. And look how you're seeing Arnold keep that lean arm just hanging. And his coach, for us, said, stay relaxed. You'll be able to hit your down blocks easier. Underhooks, underhooks are like a down block, basically. Wants to get the arms down like a gate so that Ibloyev can't get to his legs. Tekken 8, Fist Meets Fate, when the King of Fighting Games returns January 26th. Experience it on PlayStation 5. Nice catch on that clip. Paced fight already seven minutes down. And outside of those wrestling first late in the round, I mean, Allen had a really good first round. And he's doing it again this round. He's popping the jab, he's on the outside, doing really good work. It's a matter of when does the boy start to wrestle. Like right there, there it is. Beautiful job. Going right to the opposite side in the half guard. He is so explosive on his takedown entries. Once again, right up. This is the position that impresses me about is how he keeps this back position. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch how he, yeah, watch how he kicks the foot off, though. If you leave your feet square, that's why you got to have one in front. You got to keep those feet staggered as you're trying to escape. You got to put the one leg, the rough one, out in front of you so that they don't return you in the way that Avoya did last time. Cannot have square feet when you're trying to take a guy off your back. We've seen Allen twice go for that guillotine. When the employee was taking him down. I know that's a good submission for Allen. Any thoughts on that? It's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. Avoyev's way too quick at switching sides on his shots. Notice every time he takes Allen down, he ends up in a half guard on the other side. That kills the guillotine. What he's doing is he's shooting up to that left hand, that right hand that he's throwing. To throw the right hand and he'll get the head towards the lead hip of Arnold Allen and then just turn the corner hard and take the back. It's a clean shot every time. Oh, nice move. 
striking defense. He has forced missed on 85% of Allen's significant strike attempts thus far. And, and you know why he shoots his head on that side down? Because generally in wrestling, those guys have their right foot in front. But because of fighting, you want to keep your strong hand in the back. So when he throws the right hand, he switches his stance to try to shoot his double leg on his desired side. Every time he throws the right hand, he switches. Because he knows that he wants to shoot, but he can't shoot with the left leg in front. He's able to connect on that hook afterwards. Such timing. Arnold Allen has been cut. 20-second pro fight for Arnold Allen. He has never been finished. Huge welt underneath that left eye. Ibrahim smells the blood in the water. He's on it. He sees it. Allen's still not all the way back. Cut bad on that line. Oh, wow. Switches and he's looking for the shot right now. And Allen 
he's reading it, so he's just not taking it. And that's also what makes you uh, so good, is he doesn't force things. He takes them when they're there. Did you also see... Go ahead, Chad. Go ahead, yeah. Well, UFC Fight Club, we relaunched it to give our fans incredible access to some amazing benefits, dining discounts, travel savings benefits. Something for everyone at UFCFightClub.com now. That was, that was legal, wasn't it? Because he was Yeah, he did, but it was legal because he was moving up and down with his hand. Yeah, those were legal. I think. No, I think he hit him in the head, and I think those were illegal. But isn't it true? He if your hands trying, coming up and down, it's not a down. He was upon. trying to lift him, but I think his hands were. I think his hands. It's were hard down. to tell. Yeah. Honestly, because his hand way. was moving on and off the mat. You can't. You can't try to ground your hand to stay safe. Yeah. Well, look at that. That. that yeah, that's illegal. He was trying to look lift him up. But look. Yeah. yeah see, he's trying to. That, he did lift him. He's trying to lift him up, right? But he's also trying to touch him. Yeah. He's hit him in the head with his hands down. I mean, yeah. Well, every time his hand's gonna come up when you need him. <laughs> Everyone's a leader. Look at me. You okay? You okay? Stop. Come here, please. Just one second. We're gonna double check. That's all. Mark Goddard calling in the ringside position. I'm going to give you a hard warning there. You're pulling him, he's dragging his hand, he's up, down. I know it's accidental. Yeah, yeah. Please watch what we do in the case. Yes, I am not deducting a point. If his hand was lifted off the mat, it's legal. If his hand was lifted off the mat, it's legal. It doesn't matter how it's lifted off the mat. If it's off the mat, it's legal. Like, that's ridiculous. It doesn't matter how it's lifted off the mat. It's legal. Yeah, Vloyev was prioritizing a finish tonight. He is 7-0 in the UFC. All those wins by decision. Told us he wanted to showcase his other skills tonight to show the world he's not just a straight wrestler, and he certainly has done that. He's so good with this single to it, forcing finishes with it. Wasn't able to get that one. Great job, Alan. Nice down block again. He got those hard. He's getting the down block now. He's got the read on him. I'll tell you, Alan's fought a pretty good fight. Great fight. Obviously, down block. he's had moments, right? The end of the rounds have been very bad for him, but he's defending takedowns well, you know. This guy's as good as they come in this division. But we have learned that Avloyev can fight at the very top of the division, too, tonight. His style is just very difficult to handle, especially that he's improving in the striking. He doesn't breathe. I don't think he needs <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> I think he can do it underwater or something. <laughs> he's not tired, man. He hasn't eaten sugar since 2000. Yeah, I said it. No. What the fuck? The knees were legal. He pulled him up as he threw the knees. It was bullshit that Mark Goddard gave him a warning, but it was good on Mark Goddard at the same time for not deducting the point. I mean, I mean, Elove versus Arnold Allen. I mean. I mean, the problem with Allen was is he was leaning too much on his he was leaning too much on his lead leg, which allowed Evlove to pretty much get the takedown, throw his jab, work his strikes, 
when you lean on your front leg like that, it makes you very susceptible to things like the jab, the takedown, any shots, any knees, things like that. So, that sums up that fight. Sorry, the stream for some reason fucked up. Don't know why, but fucking nice plan. until he wins the world title, but now could very well be one win away from his first crack at that elusive UFC championship. Celebs in the building tonight. Kyle from the Nelk Boys. Great to have him with us. Octagon side also with us from your Toronto Blue Jays, Bo Bichette. Also in the building, the UFC flyweight king, Alessandre Pantoja. The When UFC fighters battle it out inside the octagon, you can't blink because every instant is a chance for action. So draft the skills to pay the bills. While Joe Rogan always says it is deafening, never more so than tonight here at Scotia Bank Arena. Well, every summer, the stars of the MMA world descend upon Las Vegas for International Fight Week. That includes the UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And we are very proud at this time to announce our first inductee to the class of 2024. And for this pound-for-pound -pound great, first ballot was the only answer. Until November 2010, the UFC's lightest weight class was 155 pounds. Yes, it's UFC about fucking time. Finally. Good job, UFC. In a way that no one really 
good job. He was such an every man's type of fighter, a blue collar guy. Wasn't the biggest or the scariest in the division, but that was part of what made him so compelling to watch. Undersized, always the underdog. Everyone could see themselves in Frankie. Frankie was really the first fighter to prove that size wasn't the most important thing in a fight. Fought at 155 pounds. He walked around at 155 pounds. He fought guys that were towering over him. were so much bigger than him, but Frankie had that dog in him, man. The way that Frankie Edgar fought captured the hearts of fans around the world and garnished the respect of all of his peers. You cannot break him. You will never, never get Frankie Edgar to quit. You cannot coach a fighter how to have the intestinal fortitude to rise to the occasion to battle adversity inside the octagon. Frankie's in trouble. To rise to the occasion and not only compete well, but to win. Frankie right back up to his feet. He's all hard. He's made of iron. Three fights that he had with Gray Maynard. I mean, they were just some of the best fights that ever took place in the UFC. But Frankie Edgar beating BJ Penn was the moment that the world realized what they had in Frankie. At that time, BJ Penn was considered to be one of the Calvert Town best fighters in the entire world. He was given up size and fear and strength. He was on the wrong end of the experience equation. Frankie Edgar beat him. Beat BJ Penn not once, not twice, but three times. Frankie Edgar finishes the legend BJ Penn. To me, that is what cemented his legacy. Frankie Edgar has been fighting at a world-class level for 15 years and still competing against some of the best fighters in the world. He was in the top five from um, 55 to 25 to 35. Big knockout for Edgar. Frankie Edgar by knockout. Whatever weight class he competed at, he was always at the, the top, fighting, you know, for titles. He inspired people through performances. He inspired people with the way he carried himself inside the octagon and outside the octagon. This guy was a champion through and through. You know, he was always been respectful. Never decided to take that, that route of becoming a heel. You know, definitely a family man. Frankie's such a legend for the East Coast MMA scene and such a big, pivotal part in getting it legalized in the state of New York. Just an all-around great ambassador for the sport. He is the epitome of a champion. This is about as clear of a Hall of Famer as a Hall of Famer gets.
And what else can be said about the first ballot UFC Hall of Famer Frankie Edgar? First, that, that term, first ballot, often used in other sports. But Frankie Edgar, as you said, DC, an absolute no doubter. Dominic Cruz, I know you guys shared your primes together. There was a time when you guys were both champions and just a tremendous career that uh, gets the ultimate capstone this summer. Yeah, it's been an honor to get to trade time with this man right here. This guy's mixed it together better than anybody in the early days where you had the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu and the striking. He's one of the first guys that really cemented it all together. You know, you had the BJ Penn that he beat and he showed that you can't just be a, a striker in a jiu-jitsu game. You have to be able to mix all of it with the wrestling. And he did it over and over to the top of the division. He gave everybody hope. He was too small at 155. He was still too small at 145. And I think the thing that best speaks to Frankie was what Mark Henry said. Every weight class he fought, he was in the top five. He fought for a championship in every weight class. Didn't he fight for the interim belt at 135? He fought for the belt in every weight class he fought in. The guy's a Hall of Famer and a true gentleman, a great husband, father. He just did everything right. He deserves to go into the Hall of Fame. First ballot. Absolutely. Can't wait to see Frankie Edgar on that podium this summer to accept his Hall of Fame induction. Couldn't happen to a better egg. Congratulations to Renee, Frankie, and the entire Edgar family on the induction here tonight. Well, the Emmy-nominated UFC Fight Pass Series here, the fighter returns this month, highlighting Frankie Edgar as he reminisces on the epic clashes with his rival, Bray Maynard, that showcased his toughness and cemented his Hall of Fame legacy. Streams in January exclusively here or there on UFC Fight Pass. All right, big night across the board for the UFC's middleweight division. First up on pay-per-view, Sean Strickland's right-hand man, the action man, Chris Curtis. Locked in and prepared to deliver fight fans and fight to remember, Chris Curtis has an opponent of a similar mind in the hard-charging Canadian powerball, Marc-Andre Barrier. Chris Curtis is always looking for an opponent willing to engage. Well, it appears as though he found the right dance partner tonight in Quebec's Marc-Andre Barrier. A punishing force who expects to produce for Canadian fans one of the best fights of the night. You always uh, need to be careful what you wish for, but I feel with, with Chris, you know, he's been battle-tested before. I've been battle-tested before. And, yeah, I think we're going to be, like, uh, one of the best fights of the night for sure. He's a skilled guy, but I think he's a less skilled version of me, honestly. He's, uh, he's tough. He likes to fight. Good cardio. Push the pace. But I think I do all those things better. Now in his third year on the UFC roster, Chris Curtis has lived up to his action man nickname in bonus winning efforts against Brendan Allen, Joaquin Buckley, and Kelvin Gastelum. And in his return to Canadian waters tonight, he promises yet more fireworks against Marc-Andre Barrier. I want to be a buzzsaw. I want to chip away, chip away, chip away. And I think Marc-Andre uh, is used to guys fading. He's going to be really surprised and really scared when that second, third round hits and he's still right there. A steady force in the middleweight division for nearly half a decade. Marc-Andre Barrio has always showed up ready to throw down. But in 2023, he took his game to a new level with a knockout of Julian Marquez and a fight of the night win over Eric Andrews that has raised the expectations and set the stage for a massive 2024. I feel like he's, he's dangerous, you know, uh, right at the beginning. But I feel like I'm going to pick up the pace and he's going to find sooner or later that why they call me Powerball.
Quebec's Marc-Andre Barrios stepped foot inside the octagon. It was this past summer in Vancouver where he not only earned a hand raise, but also a fight of the night bonus. After that, Power Bar set his sights on the rankings, and he believes this matchup tonight with Chris Curtis is his ticket into the top 15. The culinary school graduate was a natural the moment he stepped foot in the gym about 10 years ago. And he had a couple of smoker bouts in the beginning of his training, and immediately it was clear that was his calling. So now the former chef believes he has all the ingredients to have a number next to his name come Monday morning and put his name into the mix in the very top tier of this stacked middleweight division. Seven straight training camp at Killcliffe FC for Marc-Andre Barrio. Four and two in those fights as he arrives at his 12th UFC appearance. And he's really come into his own, Daniel, right? I mean, there was a time where this man began 0-3 in the UFC and looked like maybe his job was on the line. He's produced a lot of wins and finishes since, and he'll produce his biggest win to date here tonight. Yeah, headed down the floor, made a corner, made a very great choice, as he did with this walk-on this Chris Stapleton is the real deal. Listen. This man has gotten things right lately, and he feels like this is the matchup that gets him in the top of the team. He said he's had options for fights leading up to this one, but this one made sense because he's not a wrestler, he's not going to be trying to take him down, he's a long-time veteran that is going to be willing to strike with him, and he's a guy that can get him into the top of the team, so he thinks it's the best matchup for him. He's going to have to prove that, though, inside the octagon tonight. All right, tonight's fighter description is brought to you by the all-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra from Manscaped, the official electric trimmer of UFC. Yeah, but when you fight Chris Curtis, you got to fight differently. He has a very awkward style in the sense of how he forces you to throw punches when you don't want to by pressuring into you with his shell. He'll keep his elbows tight to his ribs and his head, and he covers everything up, and then he pressures into you. When you start throwing, he lets you arm punch him. Just get yourself tired, and then he finds the openings and the counters in between that. Sometimes Chris Curtis gets stuck on the back foot a little too long. That's what very often really take advantage of the situation. If he can get up on the offense and not get clipped in between, he can keep Chris Curtis on his back foot the whole time and keep him behind. A lot of love here in the north for the former two-division TKO champion, Mark andre Barrio. Oh shit, he came out to Edge's theme music. The rated R superstar. That's awesome. Very similar. Both of them like to pressure each other to get. And so when the pressure comes, that's how they force the offense. He's got a very strong shot. I said that earlier. But he says, I kind of have a roped up counter style. I wait for you to wear out throwing the punches. And then when you think I'm out of it, that's when I quit you. I need to trust myself and make this man very uncomfortable for myself while stands. This boy, Chris Curtis, is really buying into that TKO holding. He did the Randy Orton hold on his skill yesterday. And now he comes out to edge his walkout phone WWE guy. But when we talk about Chris Curtis, he's called the action man. He fights with a very exciting style. John, you talk about him being disconnected, unplugged. He said now he feels very refreshed. 
He has not said this to him in a very long time. He said there's two ways this fight's going to happen. Andre Barrio is going to be himself and he's going to get picked apart. Or he's going to try to fight in a different way. He doesn't think that's going to benefit him either. Chris Curtis is a guy that took a long time to get here. But since being here, he has not found a consistency that he wants. But he has done some really good things inside the octagon in the three years that he's been here. These fight outs brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Chris Curtis entrenched as a minus 185. Betting favorite tonight to come back on Barrio at plus 155. Chris Curtis finally arrived on the UFC stage in 2021. And he has vaulted to the top 15. Tell the tape brought to you by B-Chain, the official blockchain of UFC. Chris Curtis, 36. Mark Andre Barrio is 33. A few inches the gap in height. No issues on the scale for these two on Friday. Curtis will have a reach advantage of an inch and a half. All right, now for the introductions, here is the veteran voice, Bruce Buffett. Ladies and gentlemen, this fight is three rounds in the UFC middleweight division. Introducing folks. Out of the blue corner, a striker. Only a professional record, 16 wins, 6 losses, one no contest. He stands, 6 feet 1 inch tall, weighing in at 184 and 1 half pounds. Holly, out of the blue corner, USA, away from that city, come back to Canada. Luciana Andrade getting a started for round one. Mark Andre Barrio says he doesn't like to pick his fights, but this one is like candy. Loves the mat matchup against the tough, pressuring style of Chris Curtis. Here we go, round one. Barrio is in red. Curtis in what? This fight will kind of give you a blueprint of how Sean versus Strikers will go. Yeah, I think so because him and Sean kind of have the have, have kind of a similar style, except Curtis has more power, where Sean is more. He's, he's not more. He's less power. He's more, even more potent. Sean is very is aware of his game. He said so that he does it make sense. But he pressures you very so smart. So this fight will kind of give you an idea of how. He said that he knows that he's a strong striker. Most yeah. of his opponents do. But what they don't know or see is the way that he sets them up by going forward into it. At this point, Curtis's story is well documented, but he got a finish on season two of Dana White's Contender Series in 2018. No contract. He was absolutely crushed. And the manner in which he rebuilt himself to get back to the UFC, beyond impressive. And then when he got here, he started plucking off big names left and right. Oh, the first fight that he had in the UFC was a knockout 
Phil Hawes. Oh, Phil Hawes, and it was stunning. It was in New York City. And we were like, oh, my goodness. This kid's a real deal. He really did put it on him. And then he stopped Brandon Allen less than a month later. And you know how good that one's aged. Look at how good Brandon Allen is doing now. Right. Curtis talked to us a lot in the fighter meeting about round one. He likes to get his reads. Ate a big shot from Barrio there, but is okay with using some of that first round to make those reads and work towards adjusting. Well, you've watched Chris Curtis, and, you know, it's very well documented that he's a boxer, and you see that in boxing constantly. Even the greatest boxers in the world, they don't do much at all in the first round. But there's a difference. They have 12. We have three. Right. So you got to get going a little sooner if you're Chris Curtis. All right, this coach's game is brought to you by Jose Cuervo Tequila. Eric Nixon, Nick Pettit, Devin Goodall in the corner of the Extreme Couture train at Chris Curtis. Just keep moving, Curtis. He doesn't hit you then. There you go. Chop the leg where you can. Halfway. Halfway. Nice. First. Stab the body when it's there. Nice. Ooh, nice. You hear the coaches want Chris to start his combinations with kicks. They want him to go kick first. And you see Barrio do it and land two really good kicks. And it just shows how good Curtis's defense is because Barrio has opportunities to throw and he just won't. And this is a, a, a bit abnormal for Barrio. Barrio's usually pressure and going forward. He knows, though, how good of a counter-striker Chris Curtis is. He's all offense most of the time, but right now Curtis has him on his back foot. Still chief in the corner of Mark Andre Barrio, but he has evolved exponentially since aligning with Kilcliffe FC down in South Florida. Curtis chasing his prey early. And see, Curtis is getting frustrated with himself here because he can always throw too and create the fight. He can. And I was going to say that he needs to do more. There it is. That's what he's got to be doing. He's waiting too much. He, if he wants to create it, create it. Well, he said he expected two types of fights. There's going to be one well, he the took other. the fight on last it's minute. It's the other so right now. Mario's trying to be the guy that's going to be the right man. Well, he's going to have to be he okay. He can't go balls to the wall. You know, even though he has some pretty sure that his conditioning is good. You know, you have to understand he wasn't necessarily a preparing for the fight. I know he trains around the clock. And if you're training now he's without go that focus of mind, of course, you're, you're not going to put those extra rounds in. You're not going to push that little extra pace. And when you go into your fight last minute, it will show. And it doesn't matter if you train around the clock or when you're training around the fight. That's the greatest stat. Nobody in the team. Barry O'Neill did that beautiful right hand, but it hit Curtis on the elbow. Because he turned just enough to make sure it didn't hit him. Well, this corner came as much about the hydration. The fastest growing pepper in history with only 25 calories and zero added sugar. BCAAs and electrolytes now available at Walmart. Me too. Get back on your calf kick. That was a freebie. Why not? It was fucking all day. Hey, stay ahead. 
stay ahead of this guy. Every time you're leading the pace, dictating the pace, he's got nothing for us. Listen to me. When we get him up to the choke points or the corner post, straight lines, your left hand. Get your fucking left cross going and then reload it. What you got? Right here you see Barrio with a nice straight right hand down the middle. Curtis returns with a left to the body. Beautiful body kick and a jab by Barrio. You see Chris Curtis with that straight lead left hand. Started the pressure as his coach is in the hospital. Give him a little bit more when he gets in the trap. Our next UFC fight night is coming up February 3rd from the Apex main event. A matchup of international middleweight contenders, Georges Roman Delite, facing the French finisher Nasur Dini Maba. Main card is a 7 p.m. Eastern start on Saturday, Feb 3. All right, round two here. Chris Curtis out of that southpaw stance in white. Mark Andre Barrio going orthodox in red. These guys got to fight, though, man. They owe us that. The action man versus the power bar means that they're supposed to fight each other. It can't be like a, a technical battle. I, they owe me a fight, man. Well, the thing is, if you watch Chris Curtis, this is always how he fights. What we thought would be different is Barry would bring more offense to create some more stir, but he's counterfighting the same. Because you got to fight Curtis a specific way because he waits. How did you score that first round? I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, it was so close. It, they're not throwing a ton, so it's hard to tell when you don't throw a lot. John? Uh, the numbers were essentially even, but they don't like 10-10s. Our scorecards aren't required, Chip. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. You bail out of it. I try to set you up. <laughs> As one, though. No. I mean, forced to choose, I'll go 10-9 King of Combat, Chris Curtis, but okay. I don't like having to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark Andre Perio is my teammate at the end of the human performance. Dean Thomas, what's your card? So I wanted to score it too, and I scored it a zero to zero. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I had to say, fellas. It was a zero to zero. Uh, Dean Thomas not here to make friends and stuff. Dean, I like when you wore that blue costume the other day. Dean, <laughs> I like that, Dean. Twisted steel. <laughs> Cut on the bridge of the nose of Marc-Andre Barrio, who just landed a big shot on Curtis, or so it appeared. You'll see Chris Curtis fight like this all the time. It'll be a little bit slow. You'll hit boom, and all of a sudden, some crazy finish when, it, when you don't expect it. So, keep a look at These guys are looking for that hole to land something big. Well, Curtis is touching him now. I mean, it seems like when Chris Curtis goes to the body on him, he's able to catch Barrio up top. I don't know like, if I've ever seen him not use his cardio as a weapon. Like, I know I talk a lot Generally about body shots and, and things like that, but this is like, there is like something very specific. Water, there, I know I talk a lot about body shots and things like that, but it's very specific yeah. in this fight where, you know, there's some, well, at least some fights. But there's some fights, especially this one, where it's very specific, where you can see that when Curtis, when Curtis catches, when Curtis throws that hook to the body, see, right there, or when he catches him with that over, that hook over the top, and then follows up with, like, a three, four-punch combo, he, he seems to get through, see? Mostly boxing, not a lot of leg attacks. Right. Seems to get through where it's like Barrio, where, where Barrio is like he's not necessarily getting through all that much. I think one of Curtis's best weapons is when he can throw his punches and get to that clinch and throw those knees. He has a straight right hand. His knees are sharp. He's very good at them. He kind of sneaks in those body shots. Those are the things that add up why he gets the finish because you don't see his little sneaky shots he lands to the gut. They add up. 
Looked like there was some protest there from Curtis as Barrio led with the head. Clashes of heads have been a theme for Curtis in his last couple fights. Well, now Barrio seems to be putting a little bit more out there. More kicks, more strikes, and just more presence. so surprised we're not seeing more of that body kick from Barrios because you can see that Curtis turns towards the open the opening for that kick. He turns right towards it, keeps the left hand high, but he's so bladed that the kick's there all day will live it. That one right there. It's yep. there all day. Well Curtis hasn't really blocked it. Long line song and those in the kill clip FC corner of Barrio begging for forward pressure here late round two. That dude can strike. Yes, he's he a good fighter here. Inside leg kick with power ball, now left hook. Crowd getting testy for the first time all night. And you know what the problem is with this, if you're Marc-Andre Barrows? You'll go home and you'll feel, or after the fight, if he doesn't put pressure on that he normally does, that's a lot of them have success with that. And he loses, and he's not exhausted, he'll regret it instantly. Why didn't I just fight my fight? I mean, what it is is it looks more like sparring because it's hit, hit, punch, punch, like yeah. back and forth like tennis, rather than how do I get ahead two, three offensive movements at a time and really create the war. And it's very close to yeah, Curtis. Curtis seems to be. Curtis seems to be landing the more cleaner shots, where Barrio seems to be land, throwing more volume. This is kind of like with the Katona versus Armfield fight, where it was like Armfield was clearly landing the cleaner shots, where it's like Katona was putting more volume out there. Yeah, and yeah, and Barrio, and Barrios is uh. Yeah, and Barrios' nose is pretty damaged, so that's probably going to play into the judge's mind, too. So. Yeah, Barrios' nose is pretty damaged, so that's going to play in the judge's mind. So... Yeah. I mean, it's a good fight. It's a competitive fight. Like, I understand where the commentators are coming from. It's not super exciting, but if you're a hardcore fan, you're loving this because it's a pretty competitive back-and-forth affair. Very technical. I see it as that. I like how Chris Curtis keeps digging those shots to the body, especially when he throws that hook. He, hook, he throws the hook, hooks the head low, and then starts throwing the body shots, and then throws up, and then starts throwing the body shots. When Barrios anticipating getting caught by an uppercut. The way Curtis digs to the body is impressive, though, man. He can do it with both hands too. He can do it with the right side. He can do it off the left side. Coach Nitzik thinks it's going to be the straight left from Chris Curtis that's going to get Barrio out of there. That's why you see how he throws it. He doesn't telegraph. He flicks it out there. He doesn't load it at all. It just it just slides right out there. Good uppercut from Barrio. His jab has been a weapon this round as well. And now a 
by Curtis. Mario needs to faint because every time he comes in range, Curtis throws. If he faints, draws out that strike with Curtis, then he can return. I agree, DC. I haven't seen faints from either of these guys, really. Nothing. Just throw, throw. After throw. One shot, one time. All eyes up a cut from Mario and a counter elbow from Curtis. Now these guys open up a little bit. Yes. There's the knees of Curtis there. Into the body. Curtis back to work on that jab. Lead elbow from Barrio. That was a good read. I think elbows could be there for Barrio all night, too. Both these guys. Elbows and knees in that clinch, because they're just they're kind of leaning their heads together in that southpaw mentioned stance. Oh, nice sequence by Barrio as both fighters land elbows there. For the fight, and the center must go because we're throwing one shot at a time. This keeps the combinations going now. Good right hand by Mario. Seemingly anybody's fight with two minutes to go. Mario starting to get to Curtis a little bit. Yeah. Pouring it on there more, yeah. a lot more than he did. It's like he got more confidence in this third round, eating the shots of Curtis early on. Curtis is landing a lot of shots himself, especially uppercuts and body shots. And this will be the hardest one to, to judge for them, for sure. Mario Carr again, not wanting him to back up. And he obliges. Nice connection by him there. Ooh. Right hand from Curtis backs him up. Nice uppercut by the action man. And the way he slides that uppercut into the body is clean, too. I bet those hurt. Those are nasty. They're just sneaky. So you don't, you don't pinch your stomach. They're just sliding in there. Right up under that elbow. And then you catch him right under your chest. That's where it really sucks. There's like body shots to the stomach, and then the ones that are like right on the sternum. Those are the ones that make you go, oh, mama. <laughs> you start calling for your mama when they hit you right under that chest, boy. But we have seen that patented forward pressure of Barrio in this third round. He has eaten some significant shots. But he's got a cut. And Curtis doesn't, so it'll be hard to tell what they see. Oh, 
Turner does his best work right here in this clinch. He waited till the third round to get there, but this is where he's finished so many people. Watch a little bit of a pedestrian Damn. start, but a strong action-filled third Pretty good fight. And Chris Curtis go to full 15 here in Toronto. Right here you see Marc-Andre Barrio with a nice right hand. Early in the fight, Chris Curtis tries to return. Another body kick by Barrio. This is all in round one. Curtis lands a left straight here. Barrio tries to throw a knee. Chris Curtis with a lot of inboxing over the course of the last two rounds. Good uppercut in close here by the action man. Third round lands a nice lead uppercut that knocks Barrio off balance. To end the fight, these guys are just standing in a full move. Elbows, punches, both throwing, both landing. The last part of the fight is what we expected right. over the course of 15 minutes. Chris Curtis certainly finished strong after Barrio got off to a good start in that third and final round. As we await the scorecard, power slap six goes down Friday, February 9th. From Durango Casino and Resort Vegas, the main event, the welterweight title matchup between the returning champ Chris Thomas and top contender Emmanuel Muniz. A limited number of tickets are available. For more information, head to powerslap.com right now. So both fighters threw nearly 300 strikes, and they were separated by just five significant strike lands. And I do agree with some of that sentiment from Chris Curtis relative to how much offense was thrown. There were probably too many boos for that fight. No surprise to see nary a takedown attempt on either side. But for Marc-Andre Barrio, right, getting a fight live on pay-per-view against a ranked opponent, these opportunities come few and far between. Did he do enough to take Chris Curtis's number? Bruce Buffer, Bruce Buffer has the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for decision. Declan Wood scores the contest. 30, 27, Furnace. Garrett Curley scores the contest. 29, 28, Barrier. And Eric Cole scores the contest. 30, 27, for the winner by split decision, Chris Action. Yep. Just like the Katona fight. Cleaner, more accurate shots, more effective shots. That seems to be the case tonight. We're here with Chris Curtis, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, you said this fight would go one of two ways. He would either pressure you or he would go backwards. Were you surprised with the approach of Mark andre Barrio? No, it's what, uh, it's what we thought. But he's, uh, he's getting better and better, man. He had a slide when he got in, but he's gotten so much better. His fight with Andrews, he's on footwork. Well, he's going to be in and out. He's going to try to keep my ass. So we expected it. Chris, let's take a look at your work here. Your counter striker was on full display, but at the end of the third round, you guys stood in the pocket and let it fly. That's what we expected, but how good does it feel to get a win over Mark andre like you did? That was fun, man, guys. Uh, like 85, the people want to fight more. Doesn't happen all the time. We got to fight with Mark. With, uh, Mark. I was like, we're going to sit there and hit each other. And man, that was fun. Katie, I love you guys. You guys are bloodthirsty. We sat there and beat each other. And you guys are like, I like it, guys. Next time we'll pull each other more. Canada, you guys have been awesome. I'm sorry we didn't die. I wish I had a next time. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the action man, Chris Curtis. Congratulations to Chris Curtis, who will at the very least maintain his spot in the top 15, gets his fifth win.
UFC appearance. Well, tonight, of course, it is all about UFC 297, but another high-intensity headliner is coming up next month at the Big A in High California at UFC 298. Alexander the Great Volkanovski looking to deliver a sixth successive defense against perhaps his toughest challenger to date, the undefeated Spaniard, Ilya Topuria. And... Alex he's the best. I'm the king of this division. Otherwise, you better watch out. Ilya Taporia. Taporia is a nightmare. Taporia is an undefeated force who could be destined for greatness. I'm going to be a legend. Fighting Marab. Interesting. These featherweight rankings I mean, are brought to you by VJ. Stylistically, it's a good UFC. matchup for him. So I can see Sahudo winning that. Coming up in February from Anaheim, California. Arnold Allen there at number four. Mopsar Yamoya likely to take his number. But what a card. What a main event, DC, we got coming up. UFC 298, February 17th at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. I mean, what an amazing night of fights between all these great athletes, but ultimately we will show up to watch Volkanovski versus Taporia. We will get to watch the greatest featherweight of all time defend his belt once again. But this time, he looks in the mirror and sees a guy that possesses the same type of skill as he does. Ilya Taporia is an absolute savage. The way that he put it on Josh Emmett last year in Florida showed that this kid is ready to become a world champion. He has a country behind him, but so does Alexander Volkanovski. We are going to watch the two best featherweights in the world class in the Honda Center. I cannot wait to get to Southern California. Actually, I don't know if I'm going, but I will be watching these two fights for sure. One bit of news for you as you see bottom of your screen, the pay-per-view opener, Ikram Alaskarov, we have learned, is out of his fight with Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, so they will be looking for a replacement opponent. But what a main card. Star power. We'll see it for UFC 298 coming up on Saturday, February 17th. I have 100% finishing rate. I've finished everyone that's stepped in the cage with me. No one in the UFC has made it halfway through a fight against me, let alone going the distance with me. I'm looking to stop guys. I don't consider it the same level of win when it goes the distance. When you stop somebody and there is a definitive end to the fight, I consider that to be a much more solidifying version of a win rather than a decision. I am supremely confident that I'm going to continue my stop the streak. 
get off and go down. He's been able to stand his parents up and then come to the hotel right. and get the feel of fight week. This dude's living a dream. Let's see if he can catch this. No Canadian males on the mic. Let's see if Mike Mahaffey wins that. This might be a fight where the Canadians will get Final assignment of the night for Kevin McDonald. 
This might be the one with Kareem and Mike Evans. I think this guy might be him. I think this guy might be him. Huge moment in the career for Mike Malott. So, this is where I think I think the Canadians are going. So far, only one Canadian has won, and that was a chick. Every other Canadian has got their hands. Michael Lott in that Canadian red. Neil Mackey covers in black. Is that girl? That's his girl? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, okay. So, there was two Canadians who have won so far. Every other Canadian has won. Yeah, she's coming. This might be, but so far when it comes to the main event part, the big ones, the Canadians have won. The Canadians are in the great country. So. And neither are the Brazilians either. Both and he was very limited in how he could fight in his last appearance. And that one really dug in there. So we'll see. On that cap muscle of Neil Magny. Neil Magny has had And that's the thing about Neil, right? Neil has been so good for so long. And he's done it without a ton of power. It's not like he's boxing guys out. Neil Magny's always the guy that drowns you as the fight's got longer. Malat's so good at using attacks like he's doing right now on Magny in order to set up something later. So, I promise you, he's setting that leg kick up to set those guys and moves up. He steps through and counters on the opposite side. He's so good at switching stands. And this is what Neil Magny does when he gets this clinch and forces it. He does that really, really well. He's been in it for 13 years, and he's managed to stay in the top 10 for 13 years. To make sure that Neil went defensive, and when Neil went defensive, Mike just got away from him. Beautiful job by Malak. Making that person feel in their comfortable position that they're on the defensive. He's been in the top 10 for 13 years. Same thing with Percy Edgar. It's not like a super crazy active pace. He seems to slow everybody down. They fight his pace. Right? Same thing with Frank Yeager. Frank Yeager's been in the top 10, top 5. Same like, thing with Frank Yeager. Frank Yeager's been in the top 10, top 5. He's usually just pure offense. He's Canadian, man. He's never been outside the top 5. 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 Let alone outside the top 10. He's always been in the top 5. If I'm a lot, I'm staying on that outside leg kick. Neil still has not checked one. The fact that he's managed to do that, not just in one division, but in the classes, is like impressive. Yeah. Top five, top ten. Never been outside it's really impressive. And the lighter weight class is just that. Like I've always said, 155 on down. 155 all the way down to 125 are stacked with it. There is so much talent and high level skill. You can be the top 20. You can be the number 20. You can be the number 20. And you can be the number 5. And you can be the number 1. And lose to the number 15. That's how stacked the lightweight class is. So the fact that he managed to stay at the top of the heat 
I don't think anyone's going to do it. Maybe the person I can think of, like, you know I'm going to, you know I'm going to do that. The only other two people I can think of that were able to do that are Kane Florian and Jose Aldo. Those are the only people I can think of off the top of my head who's managed to stay on the top of their weight class in multiple positions. straight punch, okay? And body head too. Body head, then we work up. The leg is compromised. Stay disciplined and on it. Okay? You can land that cross. And when you're against the fence, directly attack and drop your level. Push your head to the center of his chest and start working. Get him off balance. Make it work. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. When you commit to your attack, the attack, it works every time. Let's go, Neil. You be first. Follow it up. I mean, it's not like he can't, it's not like he can't step out of the way of those leg kicks, or it's not like he can't, like, step out of the way of those leg kicks, he absolutely could, if, you know, if he could find the tell, you know, because a lot of times, just stepping out of the way of a low kick is, is a good defense, but the trick is, is you have to find the tell, you gotta figure out, you gotta find the tell, you gotta figure out when they're gonna throw the kick, that way you can... You know, Magny's been in this game for so long, and he spends so much time in a clinch with these guys, I'm surprised that he doesn't have a more dangerous clinch game with his elbows and knees, and it's kind of disheartening to see him in a fight like this, where, he's, where it could be very useful for him to be able to move into that range and use his knees and elbows. Good read, Dean, and if I know Mike Milan, he will take that constructive comment right to the gym. Pretty good sequence there by Milan. One minute gone by round two. Like, that's my that's my thing. Like, you you have to find the tell. You you would have to find the tell. Or beautiful body kick from Milan. Or he's gonna have to answer back. Like. 
it seems like Neil's frustrated with the way the fight's going, but he's got to press him a lot to make him fight it. Said, I think you saw the frustration right there. He, he jolted forward and just gave up an easy takedown. And now we'll see the grappling game of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt yeah. like Malak. One of his best transitions is setting up that guillotine training. Yeah, thank you, you realize his experience. He goes his weights for a guy to give that front headlock. Well, he tries to, 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 he tries to let you take half guard. Well, he's always been a point fighter, so this whole, like, so him being aggressive, it, it's kind of new to him. Malak playing with the footwork a little bit under three minutes here, round two, inside leg kick lands for the Canadian. Oh, he's close on that yeah, takedown, no, he, but he doesn't create his hips enough. Oh, yeah, it's obvious you're not going to get the takedown, so just use the an opportunity to throw a shot to Especially the knee, like his body is But now, he gets that third point pressure, and he wants that top pressure, and he's just starting to do work now. Just throw it up there, throw it through a couple moves, and I guarantee you he'll, 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 he'll focus on that. And he'll that shoulder, all that weight. It helps you recover if the person passes your guard. It also helps you, you know, move around when the person's trying to pass. And it's kind of hard to get this. This is his longest UFC fight thus far. No one has extended him to a third round yet. All somebody really has to do is just power through. But if your back is rounded, you have to start throwing up with the ball and start throwing up kicks. There's a whole different ball game. Feel 
I got this last round, you know. Let's put the pressure on him. He can't hang with you in the long run. He's in the deep end now. We're going to drown this motherfucker. You hear me? Don't forget your kipping escape from the bottom. He needs to get a movement. That's how you get a six movement. Look at the right hand here from Malak. Follows it up. And then we get a nice takedown when Magni decides to blitz in. He just so gets right underneath the line. The lead jab and follows up beautifully. Look at this takedown. He, he gets outside the lead. He tricks him and goes inside trip from the clinch. Beautiful takedown there. And this elbow. That'll slice people open quick. Tuesday's catch-up on all the latest MMA talk with DC and RC. As me and Ryan Clark talk about the sport that we both love so much. You can find the show on YouTube, ESPN Plus, and Midnight Eastern on ESPN2. All right, third and final round. Mike Malott opens with a leg kick on Neil Magny. And over it's Dan. He's landed 18 of those after there landing just four coming in tonight. Very a big part of the strategy. And a big takedown really went through. He still had the energy to get, try to get out of it, but he got mounted twice. I and mean, he just doesn't have the grappling in the lot now, you can see it. Well, Kiyoshi, that's what he's looking at. Him. Yep, he tried to jump on it already. He's transitioned to a dodge, but he goes for mount. Magny's got to be very careful here. There he is. He's good now. Malat has never won a pro fight by decision. He truly prioritizes the finish. And he's been pretty urgent here to begin round three. And that's why this fight's happening, because it's not easy to finish Neil Magny. So no, it's going to yeah. test Malat. This is going to bring more out of him. And it's not saying he can't finish him in his third, but even this is getting more out of Malat than, we than we've seen. Good signal here by Malat. He isolated and elevated it, kept lifting up until Neil Magny was not able to keep his balance. Beautiful job by Malat, attacking that back leg with his left foot. He kept driving into him to put him down. Malak keeping that body weight and pressure on Magny. Three and a half minutes now to decide it. Saw Jordan try to finish that takedown. And Woodson all night couldn't get it done. Last man to finish Neil Magny, Gilbert Torino Burns, about a year ago at UFC 283 in Rio. I mean, and Burns really did. Burns gave it away that nobody else has. Even Shavkat finished him, but it didn't look like it looked like Gilbert Burns kind of just took him out. Those guys you just named, I mean, imagine them facing a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's but that's what he's going to have to do. Yeah, he's going to have to fight those guys. That's coming next, and those are tough matchups. And this, that's why this Neil Magny has to happen from the lot. Look, he's got the third round. He's lasted longer than anybody in the lot's fought so far. It's not over yet, but this is the test Malat needs to prepare for the rest of that division. So Malat's going to get somebody in the top 15, not quite the top five next, but he's in the stuff now. Once you break into those rankings, you're in it. Neil Magny doing a pretty good job defensively, all things considered, minimizing the damage. Submission attempts for Mike Malak. You need to see Magny get his feet on the hips, not hook the ankles. I mean, he needs to create some space. He's so lanky, so long. 
Um, that's why I'm surprised he's not using his reach like he should have. Keep punching, keep punching. What are you doing? Keep punching. Keep punching. Keep punching. Keep punching, you fucker. Keep punching. Keep punching. Stop. Just punch him. Punch. Punch. There you go. Keep punching. Keep punching. That's what you gotta do. Keep punching. Keep punching. This is the type of stuff that Malat's gonna feel that's gonna teach him something different. Keep punching. There you go. Keep going. 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 Come on, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Go. 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 Stop the fight. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Ooh, look at that sexy lady. Damn. That's what that is, putting that pace, baby. Never took you never took his foot off the gas. That pace, baby. That pace. That pace. In the words of BJ Penn, the man's never fought a champion before. Neil Magny has fought everybody. Homeboy, that the Canadian kid, he hasn't fought all the fights that Neil Magny has. So, and and Neil Magny, man, he put that pace. God damn. Well, I was wrong. Fuck. <laughs> Mike Malott was just trying so hard to get it that he had nothing left at the very end, and Neil Magny took advantage. All right, to make it official, here is Bruce Buffer. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Kevin McDonald has called a stop to this contest at 4 minutes, 45 seconds of round number 3. Declaring the winner, by T.K. the Haitian
When you got that takedown, did you feel like you had it broken? Oh, man, knew if he wasn't broken, I found a way to break him. Uh, once I got in position, I was like, it's go time. I got in the fight right here. You know, you are in these fights now with these young up-and-comers, and they almost dismiss you. How good does it feel to really go and get a victory like that where it is just time and time again that you have done this to countless of these up-and-comers? Oh, for sure, man. This would have like Ben Diesel. I'm just switching to that final gear set and two students in the young box. I can give this all day. Let's take a look at your work up here, Neil. Neil, you get the takedown. Once you start to out-grapple him, you just start to let it fly. You're down two rounds to zero. That win extends your record for wins in the welterweight division. I mean, you got that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, it was uh, nothing but great training partners, great coaches pushing me every day. No one I had in the tank to push the third round to the job done. Uh, nothing new, I feel it's all day. That was a tremendous performance. Congratulations on another victory. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Neil Magny. Happy birthday, Daddy. Come home two checks, son. 22 UFC wins now for Neil Magny, and he is coming home with two checks. Two checks. And if you did have Neil Magny by knockout or TKO on Jack King Sportsbook, paid out plus 1,100. If you had that foresight, congratulations. Huge win in a career full of them for Neil Magny. Star power octagon side tonight. Dana Bazarian with us here for U.S. Now it's time for the co-main event. It's time to like beat I wish I played some money. Time like beat I wish I played some the battle to decide the ranks of the new world begins UFC 297, Strickland versus Duplessis is brought to you by Cuervo Tequila and by Anthem Snacks, a veteran-owned meat snack company. Anthem Snacks, fuel your freedom. Well, rather remarkably, this will be the first Bantamweight title fight for the women without Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, or Amanda Nunes. It all began for the women at UFC 157 back in 2013 as Rousey got past the very game Liz Carmouche. Fast forward to November of 2015. The head kick heard around the world as Holly Holm got by Ronda Rousey at UFC 193 and down under. 2016, Misha Tate broke through late to become the undisputed UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion at UFC 196. And then it was Amanda Nunez's time to shine, beginning at UFC 200. She would defeat Juliana Pena in July of 2022 to reclaim her title. And then she retired June of 2023 with a win over Irene Aldana. But now, unbeaten over the last four years, Raquel Rocky Pennington is determined to bring the UFC gold home to Colorado. But in order to realize Ooh. that career-long goal, she will first have to hold off the charge of one fierce Brazilian, Maiga Bueno Silva. I was like, 
Oh, this is a win for the Canadians. This guy got well, I got a little scared because... Being that close, it was really hard for me. Since that first yeah, title 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 was done, I knew I needed to do some self-work. I feel like I've definitely matured. I've become smarter as an athlete, as a person. I know I've been building myself but back up. Luckily, now the time has come. I'm more than ready. The win streak that she's back on really speaks to her mental fortitude and, and her ability to just overcome adversity. Pennington's got her back. Can she finish it here? And it's all over! My thoughts on Myra, she's obviously where she's at for a reason. I fight my fight, it's going to be a bad day for her. Nobody stopping this division. Myra Bueno Silva is perfect in this weight class. And there's the tab, Myra Bueno Silva. I give a show for everybody. This is actually my day. I'm very confident because I am a trouble in this division. I'm the best in everything. I have success in Bantamweight because it's my class. I feel stronger, I feel you know, fast. You're I'm the push because you train with Amanda. That's a lot. Her and Amanda. Train fight. My style is MMA style. My JJ is very dangerous because my hands is very heavy. I don't bad fight for her. I'm bad fight for all the girls in the division. My box is better in the hotel. My wrestling, my jiu-jitsu is better in the hotel. If she wanna fight in the ground, I fight in the ground. If she on a strike, I do a strike. I believe she deserved the title shot, but I don't believe she win because she don't have nothing for me. Now I'm gonna be champion. The outcome is my hand raised. We're definitely gonna put on a fight. At the end of the day, I'm going to dominate in every position. I am the chosen. I need to be Shitara. If I need to be Shitara, I win this fight.
she's a tremendous striker. She has fantastic basketball ability. And she's just constantly improving. And I think the thing that jumped out the page to me to be was her confidence. She feels in this matchup, she's just better in every area of mixed martial arts. She thinks she's going to win this fight. She thinks she's going to do it very impressively. She thinks she's the best across the board. And she thinks she's the best man of weight in the world. And she attempts to prove it right now. And the fun part about the matchup, DC, is that Pennington's got the heart of steel. So she's very hard to finish. She's very durable. She's not an easy person to box either. It's underrated, her boxing. She finds a way to make her openings and land her shots. And then when she does, similar to how Neil Magny does it, she gets her clinch. She finds a way to get the clinch, finds a way to put these ladies up against the fence, finds a way to take them down, set up her front chokes. She's very dangerous. So we're talking about Maia. We're talking about her attacking the body, keeping the forward pressure. Making Raquel Pennington a heavy bag. She's going to have to use all that boxing by going to the body, landing long combinations, and always attacking that cap kick. And when the heavy bag starts to get beat down, that's when she starts to, starts to look for her submissions. And that's what makes her so dangerous. Tonight's prep point is presented by Skilled Trades College. Get the skills to pay the bills. Quicker hands, she says she has heavier hands than Raquel Pennington. And just believes overall. She's the better athletic fighter in this particular matchup here tonight. She has certainly been an active pursuer of the submission. She has repeatedly said my heart beats for a submission. But when I presented her with that quote in the fighter meeting, she said she was the best striker in the UFC. Now, Cruzy told me not to bring that to the air because he believes that blocked in translation with Brazilian Portuguese. But people do sleep on her striking. She has worked very hard on her point time game. It's only her third training camp. In Coconut Creek, Florida, at American Top Team. So the best is yet to come. But a lot of people felt like when this title fight was made, and of course Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena were not going to be a part of it, Aida Moreno Silva was going to get this opportunity and also try to deliver. Yeah, she's in the right position. When you were looking at the family division, minus Amanda Nunez, you thought Juliana Pena would be a part of it. The thinking that Myra Moreno Silva would be the other side. Tonight she finds herself on the other side of herself, Bennington, but she feels that regardless of who the opponent is, she holds the belt at the end of the night.
slowed down for her, and she wants to unleash her entire toolbox on the Brazilian Patron. Yeah, what she says she's done differently, Pennington, is I really focused on the leisure, the recreation, the rest, the physical therapy. These are things I did not do before. I never gave myself a break. I overtrained. I was hurt, and I was training. I never gave myself the deep breath I needed to heal. When I did so, I showed up different. Now I have a mixture of different styles, different tools that I can use, that I'm comfortable to use. And the mental work that I've done is going to show in this fight, is what she said, because I'm not only physically ready, but I'm mentally ready in my heart and soul. And so this person's in for a long night, in her words. She's all about trying to make her respect her. She said that right now, my uniform is over, has no respect. Raquel Pennington still has to say how she does it. But for Raquel Pennington, she has to go in there very early and show her that she doesn't belong. Because if she lets her hang around, Florida Silver will start to gain confidence, and then she will be very difficult to deal with. Raquel Pennington also said to us, Tom, that, hey, I know I can box. But my first love has always been grappling. And I intend to use that tonight to become the champion. And there is Tisha Torres with her young daughter getting ready to watch Raquel Pennington in the second championship opportunity. The circumstances were very different, of course, when she fought Amanda Nunez back in 2018. But the confidence this week from Pennington was undeniable. She's in outstanding shape, and we got five rounds if needed tonight. Well, John, she said that she never watched the Nunez fight. Until the pandemic one day was on, and she said, she goes, okay, I'm going to turn it off. She goes, go leave it there. She cried for an hour watching the fight. It was the therapy she needed to get back on the horse and get back to where she is today. John, she went through hell. Her entire corner went through hell with the way that that last fight played out. But she said she learned from it. She, she is going to build off of it, and it will help her to become the champion tonight. All right, these fight odds are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours by Ida Bueno Silva, the minus 160 betting favorite. Raquel Pennington, the plus 135 underdog. Juliana Pena and the rest of this Bantamweight division watching intently. Tonight, it'll be Pennington versus Bueno Silva for the Pennington's UFC titles. All right, tail of the tape brought to you by B-Chain, the official blockchain of UFC, Raquel Pennington, 35. Maida Bueno Silva, 32, one inch the gap in height. Both fighters coming in right at that championship, number 135 pounds, one inch in reach for Raquel Pennington. All right, now for the championship intros, here's Buck. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the culminating event of the evening. Our three judges scoring this contest with Oxygen Tidal, Eric Holmes, Zalia Marco, and Salim Hanouk. And when the action begins, our referee in charge of the Oxygen, Jen Balao. Damn. So far, dude, it's like so far, every pick that every analyst has made has lost. This is so bizarre. But the way this, but the way this I don't know why, but I see it going with this. I see Juke being tired, but he's still hanging in the fight. Like, he's still, like, I still see him being tired, but still hanging in the fight. Still, still hanging in the fight. 
you know, he makes it all the way to the end. He's like the same thing with Frankie. You know? He's pretty much like Frankie. You just never know. You just never know what you. All right. Well, sometimes toughness and durability are a connotation in MMA, but Raquel no. Bennington is one of the toughest men or women I have ever met. She started training after breaking her back snowboarding at 19, broke her leg in an ATV accident in 2017, and that says nothing of the way she has rallied through MMA adversity throughout her career. We'll see if she can break through and win the world title. I mean, stylistically, Bueno Silva should win, but you never know. Pennington might get the win. I expect uh, Silva to be on that top kick the most of the fight. Because Pennington really likes that jab and getting started, so that gives the top kick. Nice body kick by Pennington. Pennington thought it was very important to start quick. And right now, she seems to be trying to follow that game plan. Bueno Silva with hands clasped behind Pennington here early on. Stop right there so she can set her hooks. You gotta move. Oh, 
Bad move. Bad move on her part. Bad move. She stopped. That's the thing. When when you bring your knees in like that and then you turn your back, you don't stop halfway. You go and then you get up. Because if, if I'm here and you turn and I stop, this is going to happen. It's going to give me an opportunity to throw the hook. So what I want to do is as soon as I get here, jump right back up. Good job throwing those elbows. Just hold them and fold them. Just hold them. Just hold them. Hold them and fold them. Just keep the arm controlled. Just, just hold them and fold them. There it is. Hold them and fold them. Don't, don't, don't. Hold them and fold them. Okay. Just hold that arm. Two on one. Keep it on two on one. You keep it on two on one. It's going to be a lot more difficult for her to control the back because. Nice shot by Silva to track. Two on one. Two on one. Keep just two on one. Keep that two on one. Keep that two on one. Because when you have a two-on-one like believe in these fucking hands. Believe in these hands, You were landing the harder shots. It's hard for grapplers and wrestlers to do what they do when you have just one body part that makes it hard for them to and he was in scrambles whatever he was doing with the guys and he was in constant scrambles he would always whether it was an arm the foot he would always to scramble and get that dominant position. Silva starts landing now. She stops coming forward. We'll see if she gets back to it or not. 
blindfolded as she was landing with her hands. So stay on her. They said she needs to be a little bit quicker when she gets into those danger zones. Like right there. She doesn't really have the footwork to stop the clinch the way her coaches want her to, Pennington. Yeah. So she's getting stuck in this because the footwork's not there. Well, to make and up for that, she needs to start jabbing to the body. Jab right into the chest. Is a guy that's in the corner Which, of Raquel Pennington. And Jason is a guy that was on the Olympic training What she should do is, is, is so jab to the chest. To make up for that, she needs to jab to the chest. Here, but right now, she's not redigging the underhook. You cannot just give up an underhook. Take the steam out of the end and allow her to serve. When she gets pressed up against the fence like that, she needs to either turn or be offensive, but she can't just sit there. She has to do, she has to, she has to either get out or attack to make up for that lack of footwork. But she's kind of making her own decision. There she goes. A couple of nice strikes landed for Pennington. Big right hand count on Plano Silva, who just had her head snap back. Pennington with some dirty boxing here about three minutes to go. Okay, I see what it is. It's the collar tie. She literally just sits in the phone booth with Pennington and eats whatever she throws and just goes right back into the clinch. It's like almost no threat. It's the collar tie. Every time she gets the collar tie, it makes it hard for Penny to let her hands go. Because what she does is she throws the hook, but she throws it, but she uses it to get the collar tie. And then pulls Pennington's head down. And then Pennington. Her first instinct is to grab What Pennington needs to do is Pennington needs to punch. Every time she gets that collar tie, just blast her with a two-three punch combo. That's what you're going to do. Make her pay for the collar tie. Good body shot by Plano Silva. Yeah, stay on the outside. Her coaches try to tell her that that's where she finds her edge, and she does. When she lands in the striking range, that's where she's doing the most damage, not this clinch. Well, she's a brawler. That's the thing. Like she's a, bra well, she's a brawler. That's the thing. Like she has a really good hand. She likes to brawl. She likes to. She likes to get in those dirty fights. It's instinctive. It's, it's what's, what's got her to the dance for so long. And, that Raquel Payton holds a major advantage when they're at distance, having you know, to stand and on the feet. This is where Rocky might struggle, though. And it's self-inflicted, because her corner told her to break away, and her back was to the center. All you gotta do is separate. She chose not to. Dude! 
She was doing really well with the game plan and just didn't listen to the coaches, and now she's in a Hold that arm. Hold that fucking arm. She's got the hand so she's confident to drop down, but with both hooks in, it's tough in this position. But right here, she can just swim her shoulder. Yep. Dip her right shoulder yeah, and she'll fall off now. her. All you gotta do is dip that shoulder and swim. Alright, that'll do it for round two. Come on, like. If she stayed on the. Hey, you are piecing her up. I love it. Nice, deep breaths. What the fuck happened when you made the decision? When you made the decision, Rocky. You make that fucking decision, we win this fight. Okay, Easter. Hey, it could be one one, it could be down. I don't know, but we gotta we gotta assume we're down and go for these one rings. Listen, rings. We have a circle. Right here you see Pennington landing. Come in close on Buena Silva. Buena Silva is actually just reaching for her. When she gets hit, her first reaction is to reach and grab. Pennington was doing so well here. You hear our coaches telling her, you made a choice to get close, and you got taken down. Exactly. She's reaching for you. She can't close distance properly. She's reaching for you. She can't close distance properly. So stay at your distance. You have the reach. And it must be said, Maida Bueno Silva is not a finished product. And not to suggest that Raquel Pennington is, but much closer to the finished product. Right, Bueno Silva is just getting going with these new coaches. Three camps at ATT. The best in theory is yet to come. Yeah, it is. Rocky's been in the game for a long time. And that experience for Pennington, a big reason for her confidence coming in tonight. Oh, nice leg kick by Bruno Silva. Some good handy work by Pennington. And this is where you see the pummeling of Silva really take over. You'll see she'll start swimming. She'll be swimming her arms. She won't just squeeze the whole time. She'll keep pummeling and pummeling. And Rocky will just kind of hold on. And this is where she gets behind. Plus the head positioning. Watch the head positioning of Silva. Watch this. Watch this. Now watch. Rocky needs to lean off to her left now. She needs to clamp down on the underhook side. Break away. Because if you don't clamp down on the overhook side, then they just keep lifting their underhook and they turn you. Right here, look, one of silver two. Rocky now just has to lift the arm and she'll spin. There it is. You got to clamp down on that side that you got overhooked if you want to control somebody along the side of the fence. Really good knees, five of them straight to that left leg of Maida Bueno Silva. But a lot of this fight has been contested right here up against the fence. This is how Pennington fights so many of her fights. You knew going into this, this is how it was going to look. Right. These the habits make styles and styles make fights. You could say you have all these new tools, but this is the habit. Yeah. So here it is. Absolutely. Nice a kick there. By oh, way, they fight it off, too. She got, the, she got the butterfly hook and kicked her right out to get back up. I mean, Raquel is showing. She keeps attacking this. Look, and Raquel keeps going into it. Yeah. God damn, Raquel. What the hell? So it's on the face, not the neck. Buena Silva has to push her head down more, though. 
She saw it just in time. Yeah. Nice elbow. Back into the clinch. Which is not what her coaches want. Her coaches want her punching. She's got the heavier hands, it seems, when she lands, when she throws. I mean, if you look at it from an objective standpoint, it's a straight even fight. But the problem, but if you're looking at it from a judge's standpoint, the judges will probably give it to Bueno Silva if it goes to a decision. And the main part is the reason why is Raquel's not taking advantage. It's so weird too because now we're watching this fight. We're spending so much time in the 50-50 position. One person has control of the clinch. The other has control of the clinch. So by the end of the night, if nothing changes, somebody's going to feel cheated. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't feel cheated because they're not fighting the fight that gives them the best opportunity to win. This is what gives Rocky a chance. Oh, a couple of nice elbows by Bueno Silva. Now a level change. Pennington. Oh, yeah, she's got that one. Yeah. Hands are locked. Both her down. This is nice. what gives Bueno Silva the best chance. Good defense there. And this is one of her chokes. There it is. There it is. Start punching. Start punching. You're on top. Start punching. You're on top. Start punching. You're on top. Start punching. God damn it. She could easily fucking... She's gassed. She is really gassed. She is really gassed. Why are you screaming? You're not looking good, like... She's trying to slow it down. You're breaking her chain. She's trying, she's trying to slow it down. Come on, come on, girl. 
Well, sort of a tale of two corners, a little bit of chaos for Bueno Silva. Pahumpa doing a nice job. I'm not sure how much of that information was received. As she tore, then sort of expends some unnecessary energy, throwing her hands in the air and screaming. There it is. If Pennington sees it, sees that she's a little bit worn out, she's out right, it's right on the gas pedal, exactly where she should. Pennington would appear to be the all-pressure fighters we hit the championship round to decide the vacant UFC Women's Bantamweight title. Get away from her. And you could see Silva, Silva look at her corner, and that's how you know how tired she is. Because when you don't want to be there and you go there anyways, it's like, uh oh. They can't help you. Yep, I'm tired. <laughs> well, the problem is, is she keeps backing straight up every time Bueno Silva kicks. What she needs to do is, is every time Bueno Silva kicks, she needs to, she needs to counter with the not back straight up. She needs to counter, not back straight up, because when she backs straight up, it gives Bueno Silva So what Raquel needs to do is, as soon as, as soon as Bueno Silva kicks, Answer with a combo. Be first, be third. Throw a combo. When she throws a kick, answer back with a combo. I'm actually surprised that it hasn't said a couple times, like, yeah, initiate some action or something, you know, just just to get him moving a little. Warner Silva desperately needs a takedown. Because I feel like if she gets a takedown, she controls her kill. But she just can't get Raquel down to the mat. I mean, if she just clears that leg, straightens it out, gets that hook on, that elbow's right in between them. She's out, basically. She just just moved that elbow in between you, and this whole thing's out out of position. You know, I saw uh, it was uh, Cooper Burns' brother, Herbert. Herbert Burns. When he's on the back like that, he does something. He does something like that, where he kicks out the feet going forward to knock you down to the mat. Then he goes to a body trying. That's a good one. Dude, what the fuck? Round and pound! Oh my fucking god! And that, that honestly, guys, is octagon control. If you're born in silver and you know how this fight is playing out, you just keep control. You don't go submission. This is when you value position over submission more than ever. Because now, if Raquel can somehow manage to finish this round on top, she's gonna win this round too and be up three to one possibly. All right, under two minutes here to go round four. Dean Thomas, what do you see? To me, this looks like a lack of experience for Marina Buena Silva. To me, I feel like she paced, herself, she paced herself so much, and now she's tired. Instead of really being able to manage these five rounds. It's a lack of experience of having five-round fights. And I think that she's going to learn a lesson from this if she doesn't win this. But, I mean, the first two rounds were very close. Buena Silva's going to win those. You don't know. 
transitioning the triangle. See if she can bring the head down and cinch it up. Pennington feels it. She's posturing. And she was winning this round, but now every second that passes, it gets closer. Nice ground strikes there from Pennington. Three submission attempts, seven credited, 2.0 Silva. Jumping on that triangle again. Silva's going to have a tough time winning on the scorecards if she gets put on her back in the fifth round like this, like she yes. did in this fourth. She looks exhausted. She's tired. The visuals aren't great for her. Oh, beautiful job by Pennington. Pennington spoke to earning her respect. She has the respect now of Buena Silva. There we go. Oh. oh, nice elbow. And a great way to close round four for the American out of Colorado Springs. Right, well. <laughs> oh, she barely can get up. You are not tired. The heart you just showed, the heart you just showed to, to, to withstand those chokes, the ninja choke, the rear naked. Don't go to the clinch door. You do. can't be body to body with her. Okay. Listen, listen, you need to go in and out. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to give you the chance. Okay, distance. This is the time. Listen. This is the time. This is the time for you to show you who's more and why you're here. Okay, you need to be a heaven. You're intelligent about that. Don't go under her. If you have to go, stick five rounds for you to be world champion. Let's work with the distance. Okay? Listen. You got this for me? Show it to me. Be, be, be smart. Let's go, damn it. Round five is brought to you by Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. She's exhausted. She's exhausted. If this is the time, this is the time. Either finish or die. 300 seconds to decide the UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship. Moina Silva stood up at the end of that round and barely was able to walk back to her corner. That's how tired she is. If Raquel Pennington is smart here, it does this. This fight could end. She needs to push her away right now. Don't go to the octagon side. Stay out in the center and put it on. Circle. Break away. We're helping. Myra Boyna Silva <laughs> wants to be in close with the hope that she ends up on top if she gets the takedown. Nice connection there by Pennington. That's smart of Pennington right there. Stupid. You're not going to get it. The cage is right there. You're not going to get it. Decision by Silva to go for a, yeah, a knee bar. Not going to get it with while up against the cage. Pennington's going to get the mount from this. Nope. So and I mean, right. yep. unless you're extremely flexible, which 
unless you're unless you're it's so tight or extremely explosive you're not getting it like who's a mere Paul Harris was a guy that was able to get like you have to sprawl out. You have to sprawl out with the leg if you're going to get the butt, if you're going to get the head on the Yeah. She's made a decision. If you're Raquel Pennington, get off to the side. Put a stamp on this thing. End it. I think she's happy to keep the position and have no scramble here. I, I don't know that Buena Silva scrambles in this position, Doc. I'm not saying she will, but I think that's why she's squeezing. Yeah. She just doesn't want to lose the position, it looks like. I mean, I, I just don't know that. I mean, I think it's pretty safe. That's why she's squeezing. She's in mouth. With the great vines, she doesn't want to let go of those great vines. She's so, she's just in a good position here. I believe the referee just called for some action. And Pennington obliges. Now back to the submission attempt of Source. Oh, uh, that's so tight. It adds up over time also. Oh, yeah. The longer you're here, it just starts choking more and more. It's a blood choke. It's slow. But look at this, Dom. Like, that's some desperation of Boyd Silva, right? She's trying to hook her arm into her leg. She's doing everything to try to get that pressure off her neck. Yeah, it looks like she'll survive this choke. Yes, she is. Oh, now, now, now Rocky needs to get up. She's trying to still find the blood here. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing Raquel Pennington looking for the blood on the side of the neck, but just very strategic to find this choke. It's not as easy as it looks. It may be the easiest choke in the Ground and pound. Ground and pound. I think, I think also from wrestling, right? Headlock. It just feels like a headlock. Ground and pound. Ground and pound.
that the new UFC women's bantamweight champion is going to be the 18-time UFC veteran, Raquel Pennington. Amanda Nunes with a hug for Tisha Torres. Those women, former teammates, exceedingly close. Maida Bueno Silva had her moments. Let's take a look here. Got a nice trip here to get to a couple shots from the back. Pennington lands some huge shots when they're close together, and she's able to get the bigger shots that look like from the clinch, but some nice elbows from Silva throughout the fight. And Pennington with a lot of body work, a lot of clinch work, and then she got a big Superman punch here in the fourth round that landed hard right at the beginning. I mean, that was one of the hardest shots in the fight. And then look at this combination. Three punches in a row. So Raquel Pennington's first UFC championship opportunity came May 12, 2018. She did go into a fifth round with Amanda Nunes despite a suboptimal training camp. But she didn't know if a second I mean, title shot would come around, so she took it. It did. I mean, logic did she do says the world title? I mean, the official decision resides with Bruce. Got the third. Look, got the fourth, and definitely took the fifth. Experience, baby. Experience always wins. Raquel, thank you. Stuck it to the fucking UFC. Your coaches were yelling at you to let her go and get back to the center. 
What was the thoughts going through your mind? Just get the victory and get this belt? Yeah, you know, it got to a point where it just wasn't pretty, and they just said, you know what, I don't even care if you get booed out here, work your butt off, and get this done. And that's exactly what I did. You know, it's not as easy as everybody might think, especially when you're grinding up against the fence and doing all the things. It gets tough. But, uh, you know, I went out there and I didn't give up on myself. You did a fantastic job. Juliana Fabian has been talking and talking and talking. She says that she will be next to the fight. What are your thoughts about Juliana and the fight? I thought it was going to be Juliana next. So, uh, Juliana, get your ass better. This time is out of mine. It's been 10 years that I've been waiting for that fight. Well, congratulations. You are the Bantamweight champion of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Raquel Rocky Pennington. Well, it looks like Juliana Pena and Raquel Pennington could have a date in the not-too-distant future, but the celebration is on in Colorado Springs, there with her mother, Rose Tisha Torres. Raquel Pennington, at long last, can lay claim to a UFC world title. Essentially, you're combining multiple bets from one fight or a game to increase your payout. This one has Drakus Duplessing plus 215 to win by knockout over one and a half rounds at minus 210. And then Duplessis at plus 160 to have more knockdowns in the fight. That three-legger pays out plus 650. Holy shit, I'm just surprised that the person on a I'm just surprised that the person on a I don't do it. I was pretty good. Well, the hot Brazilian chick was the Brazilian very good. Like, she's very underrated. Well, Sean Strickland has been the talk of the MMA world since he took the middleweight title from the last style better last year, but tonight, usually no when you got like a hot chick, face like a for the first time So, but this this fight, this the Colmova and the main when I'm about to go fighting, man, I made a legit pick. Whatever starts I picked Raquel, just, just, just because I want to see Raquel stick it to the UFC. And I'm picking Sean because I think you gotta just 
bury everything and just be like, yeah, we're gonna die to us. Sean Strickland Which, comes over to I, Sydney, Australia. Which, you know, I feel like Sean is one of the greatest of all time. This is a massive hill to play for him. Yeah, I think people are talking to the bottom. Someone who is doubted, someone who is counted out, someone who has quote unquote no chance. He, he reminds me of. He reminds me of. He's very basic, but when it comes to that, that is Sean Strickland in his element, fighting the fight game man. John Strickland's last fight was incredible. The whole world counted him out. But I didn't see him superior at all. I do believe I'm the best middleweight in the world, and I'm going to be the best middleweight ever. Here is the South African finisher, Drakus Duplessis. Duplessis is an absolute tank of a man. He's a huge, powerful middleweight and a real knockout striker. I have the highest fight place in the world. There's not going to be a moment in the fight where I'm not on you. There's not going to be a moment in the fight where I'm not there to take your head off. And that's what makes me dangerous. When I get in there, I'm there to finish that fight. I don't need judges telling me that I'm the winner. I want there to be no doubt. I'm going to be number one spot. He has already put himself in a position where he's in a number one contender fight. Whitaker's in a world of trouble. Big strike training down by the South African. Do you believe it? Drake is duplicate. Is everyone is expecting Sean to win, just like yeah, this? Drake is fight. But I'm in a massive class on this.
Because he doesn't win. Those are the guys he gets on the
He's fighting very reserved. He understands the fight on fight. So there's no really need to try to blow your body in the early portions. Just take your time to the right. Him. Drake is Duplessis has never fought into a fourth round. Keep the timing. Now figure out what works and doesn't work. So finding your rhythm. Don't, don't make that mistake. Don't, don't make the mistake like the co-man. So nice. That's why Adesanya stopped kicking. He just kept checking. It's not normally the case for guys in such an upright boxing stance. I mean, you got to think of because he's so upright, because he jabs so much, imagine how many people are trying to attack his lead leg. He's just got a lot of reps in his stance and his position. 
Hey, this select for him has been getting treated like a king all week here. He is Canada. a king. Oh no, neither one of these guys is going to be Alex Ferreira. Alex Ferreira. Oh hell no. Neither one of these guys are being Alex Ferreira. Alex Ferreira is too high level, too strong, too big. Like, no, Sean Strickland does a great job of checking kicks, man. Yeah. Man, you can see this for Sean Strickland. You can only go so many before you don't feel like battering your shit into somebody else's shit every time. You gotta hit Strickland with something different because he's used yeah, to the conventional attacks. He keeps his hands out and leans back. He's too powerful. Like I said, what he lacks in the cardio, he makes up for by being very technical. He makes up for it by being very strategic and having that knockout. Duplessis knew that he couldn't let Strickland walk into the back of the octagon. He had to stay in the center. To this point, he has done that. But he's got to get his offense going. More kicks from Duplessis and Strickland has to just stay the course. He's fighting beautiful right now. That jab is just peppering Drakus. There's the feints. Drake said I have to faint and get him to react to the feints, and then I can maybe land my kicks and my punches. And so you saw him doubling up on the feints, and that's what's going to help him with dealing with Strickland's jab. He's got to pull it out by fainting. But see, this is what I'm talking about. Sean tends to, you know, he tends to kind of stay in the pocket too much. And then all you see is like one or two shots from him. And then you see Duplessis throwing a lot of shots, and then that's what, what happens even with the decision. So, and that's and that's what I'm thinking, and that's the thing that's really about it. Like Sean does at least open, he's got to open up a little more. Strickland spars late in the training camp. Looked like Duplessis landed a leg kick there. But just so comfortable in combat. Because Sean Strickland's leaning back now to evade the strikes of Duplessis, when he blitzes, he's thinking about level changing into a double leg. Strickland's hips are there for him to attack. That's how he got the first one, he said. Yeah. yeah. And that's also how Pajeda landed the left hook because Strickland leans back. That's where the left hook went. Strickland just checked the inside kick with the back leg. That's yeah. where too. You don't see that a lot. It's just good leg defense there. Duplessis loads up on a left hand again out of range. Body shots are both there, though. I think that's the key for Duplessis. Yes. Keep ripping the body to set up the shots because he leans back and his hands are high. He doesn't really guard his body too much. The head moves, but the body's there to be hit. Yep. Good right hand for Duplessis. He's getting closer and closer. Oh, there's a body kick. Combo. Boxing and then finish the kick. Drakus is getting much closer with that overhand down. Yeah, he's getting closer it's each like, round. Yep. He's making adjustments. Remember, he's got high-level kickboxing since he's 19 years old, facing some of the best strikers. So he knows what this looks like. He's seen this stuff. Big left hand a moment ago from Duplessis. Let us check in with Eric Nixon. That's what I'm talking about. When he stands tall, he leaves himself over for the overhand. 
And Drew Plessis likes to throw those big overhands, so it's perfect for him. That was a takedown by Drew Plessis. Grabbed the high crotch. Cracked him down, put him down. Don't let him slip in the back. Step up. That left hook of Drew Plessis. Cuts on You made that adjustment. You said that he waited for the lean on the punches and shot. Took that single leg shot from there, DC. left eye now is starting to close. We'll keep an eye on that. That is some significant swelling for the South African. That was a much better round by Duplessis in round two. Much better second round. That's what I'm talking about. He blitzes. He blitzes and th he, the back of the That's all he really needs to do. Keep it sharp. And just keep blitzing and throw, that's good. throw that size on him. He has, he has the size and the strength to get into those overhands. He has the size and the strength to get away with it. And that's all he has to do. He has to back away from the game. He's using that size to get in. Sean, give me a five and a nine. 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 That might be a problem for him. Eric Nixick was caught. I started aiming for that eye. It is time to turn up the yep. heat. Round three of a possible five to decide the UFC middleweight title. If it, if it were me, I'd start aiming for that eye. Aim for that eye, baby. That eye is there. The one thing that's way different for Duplessis so far is he hasn't landed any low kicks like he usually does to set up his hands. So now he's forced to throw body kicks or high kicks. It's the third time that's landed for him. But he usually sets his boxing up in his blitzes off the kicks. Since Strickland's not giving him the kicks, he's not blitzing. So it's harder for him to land. Strickland jab splits the guard of Duplessis. Duplessis in perpetual forward motion. Nice low leg kick there, so it appeared. Followed up with the right hand up top. Yeah, DDP is doing a great job not staying on the back foot. Following his game plan. Consistently attacking the legs, even though he's getting checked. And just keeping the momentum forward keeping Strickland on his heel. You have to do this to Strickland. If you let Strickland start moving forward, he gets ahead fast. Duplessis is constantly the one that's advancing. He said it was so important for him not to allow for Sean to be the one that dictated. He has not allowed for that to happen yet. Now, because of that, he has taken a number of jabs and his, his face is starting to swell. But as the fight is going on, he's doing much better. And actually reaching Strickland on front of his strike. And certainly a lot of his misses are pronounced and they're big, but he's okay with that, right? He is yeah. a finisher of the highest order. 
constantly throwing different speed and tempo and direction with his strikes. Got to the spinning back fist five or six times tonight, landed one of them. And shown is fighting behind his jab beautifully. But he's got to start popping that jab double. Double jab sometimes if you're strictly. He can't just try to put one on Drake to do plus because now Drakus has seen it. And Drakus will try to overwhelm you with activity. So Sean's got to keep like, up with him a little bit. He's much he's more accurate. He's probably landing more than Duplessis. Is, is but Drake is constantly just putting something out there. Right? Not quite as much That's offense being thrown by Strickland here around here. Pocket. If it goes to a smart um, punch, remember it's going to be a lot of damage. And right now, Duplessis' face looks a little bit more damage than Strickland's. Two minutes to go. Duplessis drops down and lands a left hand. Judges really are supposed to give credit for the damage sustained in that round and not look at the visual as some sort of marker for the entire fight. Yeah, well, that's kind of well, not been the case these past couple it, fights. It in the round, so it's scored in that round. It's not scored perpetually as the fight goes on, you know? Yeah. But we've seen scorecards all over the place tonight, so close fight here as we come up on about a minute to go round three. You know, Drake is Duplessis is pressuring now, but he's not fighting as much. There it is. Trickle put two jabs on him there as he was evading. Now Drakus, there it is, Drakus with a blitz. He's getting closer and closer. Every time he gets... A little bit of a telegraph there with that high kick. And I think that that's going to happen as he starts to... The fight gets longer, because naturally you will fatigue a little bit. But still, man, on the pressure. And John, I mean, Drake has talked about his nose getting fixed. Yeah. His cardio looks fantastic. It really does. Could it really be just one thing like that? No, it's not all that. He actually was somewhat dismissive of that as this overwhelming angle for his improved cardio. But he's 15 seconds away from realizing a fourth round for the first time as an MMA pro here in his 23rd pro fight. Looks pretty fresh here. And he's a very close round. It did appear as though Strickland's pace waned in that third round. Oh, nice left hook there by Sean. Hey, I don't like that round. You know what I mean? Come on. Hey, yeah. let's pick up the pace a little bit more on this. Look at me. If we just stay on our stick and leave the dance, don't forget about your teeth. That was money in the bank. Watch your barriers we start walking around here. When we get around the cage, he's going to start exploding on us, all right? Hey, hey, this is where we start looking to drown this guy. Okay, pick your pace up on him, read his guard, it's going linear. Every time he comes linear guard, find downstairs, hook around the hand. This is not a boy out by sock. Okay? He's tired, he's tired. He pulled you at the loss. On the minutes, I want to take down. I know he's waiting for it. I mean, that eyes is, is absolutely bad, so I don't even want to take down. 
This is the same fight as the previous fights. One guy is landing the championship shots, the other guy is suggesting that Sean is going with clear shots. Dracus is going more always. So it's kind of like, do you give it to him? Do you really give it to him? And you know, he was the corner saying that he's tired, they were saying that's round one. But the Strickland corner wants him to pick it up. They think that he can actually drown Drake is not over getting into the championship rounds. Yeah, because he keeps a, such a, a good pace with just jabbing and jabbing and letting Duplessis use his oxygen by keeping offensive and then just not using better defense to stay safe in the second two rounds. Let's see if he can keep oh. it safe. And the big overhand. That overhand's getting closer and closer. You heard Eric Nixon say, I don't like that round. Yeah. He did not like round three from Sean Strickland. He wants more activity from him. That was a nice elbow, but I think it cut him. I thought it might have been the right hand prior, but you could be right. Strickland takedown defense held up there. Nice. Very nice elbow at the end of that combo. Oh. That right hand got the South African's attention. To beat a guy like Drew Plessis, you need a guy who, who can fight with finesse. Like, like it. Like Israeli Adesanya, for example. But this is my point. This is what I'm talking about. To beat a guy like him. What I'm talking about, to fight a guy like him, you need to either, you, you need to have, you need to, a guy to, to, to beat him, you need somebody who fights with finesse, who's not going to engage in these battles, who's not going to sit there and, and get caught up in this shit. He is so strong. 
See, he's not going to get caught in these battles. He's not going to sit there and, and allow himself to get caught in the tents. He's going to turn the corner and cut angles and cut angles and cut angles. Like on Asanya or Duke Rockford or, you know, well, once again, Robert Whittaker was doing a good job until he went for that fucking takedown. But you see what I'm saying? They're going to keep it in this one area and they're just going to handle stuff like this. Nobody's really taken down and, and controlled Strickland like this. Strickland's got to attack the hands if he wants to get up. He's got to step one foot up, one at a time. There you go, right leg up, and it starts to get to your feet. One minute left. Six takedowns on nine attempts for Drakus Duplessis. Certainly proving that his style can extend into championship rounds. Looked like Strickland might have checked that one. See, that's what he should have been doing the entire time. Every time he throws the overhand, duck, and then cut, and then catch him. Has had a hard time picking up the pace the way his coaches wanted because DDP's kept him on his heels. 20 minutes in the can, five to go. Give him a second. Give him a second. Rob's got to look at this. Give him a second. Great. Hey, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen good. I need this round, okay? I need this round. Sean, Sean, everything right now. We're fighting for that little kid inside of us, Sean. Well, look at me. Save nothing for the swim hole, baby. Save nothing for the swim hole. Let him work on this. Sean, push your jab pace. Don't let him inside. Do not let him inside. When he takes us down, if he shoots on us, wrestle. Get the fuck back up. Championship shit. And still, motherfucker. Let's go. That's beautiful. He started. Take lack of breath. Stay in the fight. Blow. Blow. Last round. Well, perhaps the South Africans are starting to sense that their guy could have a lead as we arrive. Right, this wins. This is the perfect fight for Hamza. Oh yeah, right. Not a not a great striker. Okay, grappling just mainly relies on his size. Hamzad is big and likes to just you know Hamzad is big. Likes to wrestle, likes to you know, put it on you. Offensive DDP mixed into the striking is what's really made a difference to yeah. keep Strickland guessing. The first round was bad for Drake's duplessis. He has made adjustments constantly. Yeah. In round two to three to four, that has allowed Vince to possibly be up three to one. Very plausible. Certainly a big fourth round for Duplessis. Uppercut lines for Strickland. Two, two, or three, one, but John, if you're Sean Strickland, you're hoping it's two to two. Right. Because I lean more towards three to one through this season. Certainly gave him rounds three and four, and seems like a lot of the scorecards out there. Gave him round two. Come on, 
he's just had to fight such a different fight than he fought in Australia. In Australia, he was on the front foot the entire time. Duplessis has put him on his heels all night long. But that's the problem with that James Tony style. It's the the issue with it is is you stay so compact that it keeps you from really opening up and, and throwing combinations. And, and the, also the other thing, too, that, that Sean is missing from that style is that pivot, that ability to pivot. See, James Tony was really good. The reason why James Tony was able to fight off the rope so well is because he was able to fight off the back foot is because he, he mastered the pivot. That's why he was able to stay in the shoulder and even though he did back up, he was able to, you know, pivot out and fight up against the ropes. You heard Eric Dixon tell his guy, he needs this round. And Sean Strickland is trying to give it to him right now. He is fighting a much more purposeful round five. Like, if I'm Sean, when I throw the jab, I'm turning the corner every time I throw the jab. And then I'm going to throw a straight right to the body. Turn the corner as I throw the jab, and then hit him with the right to the body. And just and, nice take down, great defense. And then I'm gonna do that, and I'm what I'm gonna do that is every time because he's gonna look to try to throw an overhand on me. And then once I got him adept to that rhythm, I'm gonna fake the jab. I'm gonna fake the jab and then throw a straight right, right down the middle. Just just break the rhythm. But that's also the thing too about sparring so much as he does, you know. You can leave your best rounds in the gym. When you spar as much as he does, a lot of times you leave, you, you leave your best rounds in the gym. You know that happens. Oh no, that that happens. That happened to Robbie Lawler. You know when he was, you know that happened to Robbie Lawler. You know he left his best rounds in the gym. Even if partially blocked, a big right hand for Strickland, who has certainly answered the imperative from Eric Nixick after round four. Jab for Strickland lands flush. Last minute, it's gonna really bomb for these guys, I think. Oh, nice body kick by Duplessis. That was a good fight. Good, good competitive fight. 
I mean, good fight, good competitive fight. I mean, it, it, it was what I expected. And all he said was five rounds. I think he's proud of his ability to go 25 minutes tonight. Let's see what happens. The outstanding coach, Eric Nixick. Sean Strickland, valiant. After that fourth round, to fight an outstanding fifth round. And there is one of the many watch parties in Victoria, South Africa. To decide the UFC What a fight. Early in the fight, it was the jab of Sean Strickland that really did dictate what was going on. Drakus was struggling. But as the fight went on, he was able to land a lot of takedowns. We have not seen Sean Strickland taken down that many times. Right hand lands to the champion. Duplessis goes to the body here on one of his blitzes. Head kick lands for Drakus Duplessis. Body kick from the challenger. A big right hand lands for Drakus. Cuts open Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland lands a beautiful overhand right as we get to the end of the fifth round. But Drakus is on the gas the whole time. Then another straight right hand for Drakus Duplessis. A very close fight. Very competitive fight. And I honestly don't know who won it. Yeah, I don't know who won either. Drakus Duplessis, certainly the most credentialed, accomplished mixed martial artist out of South Africa. But there's no overstating what it would mean were he to realize the UFC world title tonight. And what else can be said about Sean Strickland? There have actually been this week comparisons to Conor McGregor, believe it or not, in terms of the star power and how this man has just exploded exponentially, really prior to winning the world title, but then breaking through and winning it took him into a totally different stratosphere and only one man knows who has won Bruce Buffer with the cards ladies and gentlemen after five rounds we go to the judges for cards for a decision Saudi Amato scores the contest 48-47 Strickland Eric Cohen has it 48-47 Duplassi and Derek Curley scores the contest 48-47 for the winner by split decision. And One of those things is just he could have won that fight if he opened up more. If he opened up more, he could have won the fight. And that that was the thing that was concerning me is is him staying in that pocket.
Marcus Duplessis. Marcus, how does that sound? Thank you so much, Canada. Can I get my flag? Coach, coach, flag. I want my flag. This is history. South Africa, no limit on those flags. Clayton, you so proud to represent this nation. What does it mean to your country to have a UFC champion? I don't know, but I can tell you right now, South Africa, we can probably agree on those silent hear them from outside. That country is amazing. Thank you, South Africa. Thank you. They are going crazy. This is history. We'll not say that. That's your country right now. South Africa right here. Did you think you had done enough to get the victory when you walked to the center? Listen, let me tell you this. I honestly thought with the takedowns I made sure on every round, I could feel it was a close fight. I definitely gave him the first round. I tried to get that takedown in the first to try and level the playing field. And I felt that he gets up really well, but I can get under him and get him down because I'm stronger. But um, I felt... He got away with it because of his size, like I said. He gets away with it. He gets away with being fatigued because he's big and he puts that size on people and it makes it hard for people to really take advantage of his pace to beat him. You know, to beat him, you need someone who who can beat him with finesse, like Adesanya, Silva, someone who can someone who can stick him and make him make him miss and make him pay every time he blitzes, every time he tries to power out. He said to death, I try to kill you in here tonight. Didn't quite get there, but you are one hell of a man. Thank you for bringing the best out of me. Thank you for being a good, a good guy, doing what you had to to entertain fans. But you know, you came out here tonight. We kept it professional. It was an honest show. We gave you. Thank you. It was an absolute war. You said you wanted someone to bring that war to you. Sean Strickland did this. You are now the champion of the world, so you have a ton of options. Do you start to think about what's next? But Drake is duplessis. You have a lot of rivalries out there, and there are people lining up to get a shot at the new champ. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw Alex Payne, I get into the cage, and I thought, well, okay, here we go again. Let's do the face-off right now. Let's see if I can recover in time. But uh, it looks like that's not happening. But uh, right now, I have to tell you, man, I'm really enjoying this. I would love. It was another guy who tried to take my shine. He lost his shine. Now I have your shine. You didn't get into the cage tonight, but this is Adesanya. Get your ass back in the UFC so we can settle the score. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the new middle one champion in the world, Travis Duplessis. I'm here with the former champion, Sean Strickland. So, with this the fight that you expected, was there anything that surprised you?
He's not gonna last long. No, he's not. He's not gonna last long. No, he's not. The Hamza Zayda gonna kill him. Our opponent is gonna kill him. Right? 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 He's not gonna last long. Hamza Zayda gonna get him, or our opponent is gonna get him, but definitely he's not gonna last long. This guy, given his style. Once he faces somebody who can either match him power for power, or someone who can beat him with finesse, the same thing with Chris Weidman. But that's it was it was the same thing. Once you start facing people who can physically match him or people who are technically superior, that's when you have problems. Yo, Romero matched him in, in his matched him in power. And, you know, Luke Rockwell beat him in skill, and he was just like, yeah. Not gonna watch that. Not gonna watch that. We'll watch that. We'll watch that. But those first two weeks ain't watching. Fighting that James Tony style, 
Sorry, this is a commercial, but that was the thing that was concerning me is the fact that it is the fact that, you know, it's that James Tony style that that's the problem with that James Tony style is you're so tight in the pocket that you don't really open up. And a lot of times you end up on the back end of decisions. You end up end up on the back end of decisions. That's what happened to James Tony so many times in That's what happened to so many, that's what happened to so many, that's what happened to James Tony in so many fights and why he had to like, like a lot of times, like a good example, when Freddie Roach was in his corner, Freddie Roach had to tell him, hey, uh, you need a knockout because I'm going to be honest with you, even though, yeah, you're beating him up off the ropes, the judges ain't seeing it like that. So you need a knockout and James Tony would have to open up and knock out. And then when you add on the fact that, you know, Drew Plessis is a big, strong guy with those long arms. It it makes it hard for Sean's style to shine unless he, you know, adds some sort of layer or makes some sort of adjustment to where he could turn the tide. You know, one thing if I if I was to say what made James Tony's style so good was that also the fact that he he mastered the pivot. You know, he was he which is one of the reasons why he was able to fight in that pocket so well. And when guys would advance on him, he was able to get at, he was able to get out of the way when guys would advance on him is he would he was very good at the pivot if there was anything i could if there's any advice i can give to sean strickland is learn to pivot when you learn it'll help us it'll help him whenever he gets in situations like this when he's on the back foot you know when he's on the back foot is pivoting because that pivot because the thing is too the the pivot was there the the pivot the pivot the pivot was there. The pivot was there, especially because Sean, because I mean, because the pivot was there, that the pivot was there, like Sean, like, you know, because the thing is, the pivot was there. The pivot was there for Sean to take advantage of, because every time Sean would attack, Drew Plessis would throw this high guard up like this. If I see you throw that high guard up like this, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to use that high guard to pivot out the way. So that way, if you try to blitz me or try to close the distance as I'm throwing shots, I'm already at the angle. I'm already I'm already at the angle, you know, which would have helped Sean along the way. So, but yeah, I mean, Drakus is just he's he's too big. He, he's too big, he's too strong to to beat him. To beat to beat a guy like him is pretty much to beat a guy like him is is pretty much the same it's pretty much the same thing with Chris Weidman. To beat a guy like him, you either have to have you either have to match him in size and strength, or you have to be extremely technical. You have to be extremely skilled and technical. You know, like a Luke Rockhold or a Yoel Romero, for example. Like those guys had things that would give Drakus his prop. Give. 
you know, those things would give Dreykus clear problems, as we saw in the fight. Those those things would give Dreykus clear problems, you know, and that's why a fight between him and Hamzat would be interesting, as well as a fight between him and Israeli Adesanya, because Israeli Adesanya can beat him with finesse, where Hamzat Hamzat can match him in in size and strength, and and that would be very interesting. Those fights are very very interesting in those regards. So, but um. Do I think Dreykus will last as a champion? I mean, if he fights the right matchups, yeah. But I, but if he fights the right matchups, yeah. But I doubt he'll last as a champion. Um, like I said, despite what the commentators were saying, there was really no skill. It was all just, it was all just gut and grit, and that's pretty much what this fight was—gut and grit. Like they were just, they were just gutting it out with each other and. And that's what Dreykus did. Like, Dreykus just, you know, he just powered out of everything. There was really no finesse, no nothing. He just kept powering out, powering out. And he got them, like I said, because of his size, he got away with it. So, good fight, though. Good fight. But, you know, that concludes UFC 297. Um, not really a fan of Dreykus, as you can tell. But, like I say, I try to be objective with you know, with my breakdowns, and this is pretty objective, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, so, Sean needs to fix some things in his style, you know, he needs to fix some things in his style, so that way, when he's dealing with guys like Drew, who are big and strong and constantly blitzing him, he'll, he'll have a way to handle it, so.